Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, sportscallauburn.com. It's Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry with you here this afternoon, recapping all things Auburn and Jacksonville State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. We will be talking a lot about said tournament throughout the show today. Many upsets yesterday, including one huge one in the SEC. It's why you always got to pay attention, even in a 2-15 matchup. So we will be talking about those upsets and update you on how the games are going currently in the NCAA Also got some huge breaking news in the NFL with Deshaun Watson having a destination now and it being the Cleveland Browns on the last second after supposedly being eliminated from contention for him just a couple days ago. So a lot going on in the sports world again. And and like, like I said, we'll be focusing a lot on Auburn and their NCAA tournament as they are victorious today. And their first-round tournament game by a score of 80-61. to 61. The Tigers await the winner of 7-seed Southern Cal and 10-seed Miami. Miami off to a great start in that one. Uh, leading that game with just a few minutes left before half by a score of 29-16. to 16. So the Hurricanes off to a good start in that one. So keeping you up to date on all things NCAA tournament and a lot to talk about again in the world of the NFL. And like I said, I'm Ryan LaVoy filling in for J.J. Jackson. He will be doing Auburn baseball for the SEC Network Plus as they take on number one Ole Miss in game two of a three-game series. Despite the rain earlier today, going to try and get that one in tonight as there's not much more weather expected throughout the evening. So that is where he is. And so it's Ryan Brooks and Brant with you here on this Friday afternoon. Start with you, Brooks. Uh, good to have you here again. Hope you're doing well. And uh, the NCAA tournament is alive and well. Yeah. Uh, since we, uh, me and uh, Luke Flurry did the show yesterday, since that happened, there was uh, significant uh, moving in the NCAA tournament. A lot of upsets. I know yesterday on the show we talked about the Richmond, Iowa upset yesterday. And uh, watched the, uh, what didn't really watch, but saw it uh, transpiring. Gonzaga getting all they could handle with Georgia State. But then a lot happened last night. You had a really, really good games. Uh, all across the board, St. Peter's getting a huge upset win over Kentucky. Uh, you saw a really, really good matchup in the, the San Francisco-Murray State game went to overtime. Creighton and San Diego State went to overtime. Uh, you, you've got a lot of really, really good basketball action going on uh, everywhere. Uh, a lot of NFL news. And don't want to bury it anywhere, but we mentioned it yesterday on the show, the Atlanta Braves are back in action. They got their first spring training game underway today and uh, won that game 3-1 to one of the Minnesota Twins, so they'll take on the Tampa Bay Rays tomorrow, take a road trip to uh, the Tampa Bay Rays spring training facilities, and they'll take on the Rays tomorrow. Uh, and it's great to have baseball back, and of course it is just 
fantastic to have all this March Madness to watch. I'm really looking forward to uh, the games tonight. I know we, we were just watching uh, Villanova and Delaware. That was a closer game than we thought it was going to be for a little bit. Del- uh, Villanova seems to have kicked it into gear now. But, uh, yeah, can't wait to continue to watch these March Madness games. And hopefully we can get some more upsets going. That, that's always fun. Brant Daughtry also with us. And, and Brant, yesterday we were talking about possibly going to Buffalo Wild Wings because they had a uh, free six-piece boneless wing in an <coughs> overtime yeah. game. We did not go, uh, and we should have because uh, we would have gotten free boneless wings last yeah, time. Yeah, there were the two basketball. overtime games, right? There were. We wouldn't have gotten 12, would we? Would they I don't, have I don't know. One? Is it is it six boneless wings for every overtime game? I'd be or? pretty sick if it was. I'd have to do some research. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but you know we're still in around a 64 we can head at some point uh oh i was gonna I leave it alone i was just gonna let you do yeah, whatever you yeah yeah i don't yeah. i don't know how to feel man it's first of all let's touch on the good right auburn looked really good against um against jacksonville state today they they played really well on defense and jacksonville state just couldn't couldn't break that defense auburn always plays good on defense um they made a couple of contested shots early but they regressed back to the norm i think um Jabari Smith had a poster dunk that got all of us out of our seats. We were watching that game together, and uh, we all ran around the office a little bit. And that was fun to lose our minds at a just an otherworldly athlete doing something insane. Um, so Auburn's doing well. Uh, baseball's coming back up. Braves had their first spring training game today. I think they're still going, actually. Um, now let's touch on the bad, the, uh, the news I don't like. Uh, over the past couple of days, it seemed like the Atlanta Falcons were the front runners to land Deshaun Watson. And uh, now he's going to the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland. The the Browns. The Cleveland Browns. We lost Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns. I, uh, as a Falcons fan, I'm very upset. Because I thought this was the clear move to do. You trade Matt Ryan. You go. You send him to a contender for some real for some draft picks, and you trade those draft picks to uh, Houston, which is what I thought Atlanta was going to do. I thought they were going to trade him to the Colts and um, trade Matt Ryan to the Colts, get some draft picks from the Colts, give Houston those draft picks for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson comes home. He's from Atlanta. He was a ball boy for the Falcons a couple years ago, uh, and you know it's a it's a great big homecoming story. He wants to be in Atlanta. That's awesome, right? He's coming home. What a storyline! And it's ruined by the freaking Browns. I have a new uh, least favorite team. No, because I still hate the Saints. Um, FTS, but <laughs> it's, it's, mm. it sucks. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked for all the world um, that, and we'll discuss it a little more detail later. But it looked for all the world that the signs were pointing towards Atlanta and New Orleans. Sure. He had ruled out Carolina yesterday. I think Cleveland was the day before, or maybe earlier yesterday. And I, I really am surprised. But I think what we're seeing is Deshaun got a huge pay raise, and I think yeah. that. Atlanta and New Orleans might not have even been aware of what game they were playing. Um, They were just trying to convince Deshaun that team-wise, structurally, that they would be a great fit for him. Cleveland hears that they're out of it and maybe in desperation offers Deshaun the most guaranteed money of all time at the quarterback position. And that's something that Atlanta and New Orleans were probably not even thinking of as being a potential 
um, caveat to, to getting Deshaun to get to play there because this was like a free agent slash trade recruitment. I mean, th- in a way, you were convincing a player to play for your franchise. Houston was just Houston had accepted a base offer from all these teams, so really it was up to Deshaun. Houston was actually doing Deshaun uh, right there by allowing him the opportunity to decide which place to go and so it was kind of a weird situation there and like i said we'll talk more about it but uh guys as we look at the NCAA tournament we'll start with auburn today uh brandon you mentioned a little bit about it uh, how the defense looked but shooting wise for auburn off to a, a much better start here in this NCAA tournament yeah for sure and i'm i apologize my thoughts are very scrambled i, I do not have control of my emotions yet because it, it this deshaun watson news is so new and i had put so many eggs in that basket already but yeah, Auburn looked really good shooting at one point in the second half. They were 9 of 18, uh, and I don't think they attempted many more after that. And so you just a really good shooting performance from an offense that we seemed struggling. KD Johnson had a whale of a second half. His plus minus was plus 16, uh, and you, you love to see things like that. He, um, he had a great game, hit a couple of threes, looked more like himself than we have seen him in a while. Uh, even Alan Flanagan, and I've, I've been a big defender of Alan Flanagan, and he had a not great game, but a game where he contributed. He played, he played great defense. He played at the level he needed to play at for Auburn to get a win, and it seems like he's getting more comfortable in that limited role, or at least he is starting to come back. He's starting to trust that ankle a little bit more. And I'm interested to see what Auburn can do going forward because clearly Jacksonville State was overmatched. Auburn was by far the better team, and that's usually what happens when a two-seed plays a 15-seed unless you're Kentucky, uh, which just, by the way, I couldn't, be, couldn't, hap- couldn't happen to a, a better fan base. Um, I hate Kentucky. I, I've, I've always said my least favorite basketball team was Tennessee. Um, after interacting with a few Kentucky fans this year, I don't like that fan base at all. There's very few of them that I consider even tolerable. So, glad to see them bounced in the first round. But, you know, Auburn Auburn did what they should have done. Auburn did what they should have done in this game. They looked good, which is something you haven't been able to say about the Auburn uh, about Auburn the past couple of weeks, especially on offense. But, uh, like you said, shooting looked better. Everything looked better. Uh, hopefully they can stay hot moving into the next round, Brooks. Yeah, I, I mean, you look at this... Uh, you look at the performance today from Auburn basketball, and I, I think that you you've got to, you know, it's it's a really good starting point to grow grow on. Um, I, I like the I liked the performance today from uh, against Jacksonville State. I liked how you were able to get out and defend. I think one of the biggest qualms uh, going into the game was how Auburn was going to defend that three-point shooting uh, for Jacksonville State. I think they got out there and they defended it well. I think a real concern is having two-thirds of your big men get hurt at some point during the game. Uh, luckily, most of them were able to come back. Hopefully, Jalen Williams can come back uh, for the next game. But I think that you saw the potential that this Auburn basketball team can play with that we know is there, that we've seen at Auburn Arena throughout the middle of the season. And it kind of went away at the end of the season. I, I don't know what, why. It, playing away from home, playing, you know, playing with different basketballs, whatever. Uh, it, it was, it's it's a performance today that you can build on going forward in the tournament. And uh, you you got to you know you you got to take that next step. Now you you got to you're not going to have a Jacksonville State waiting for you in the next game. You're going to have Miami or you're going to have USC coming up, and both of those teams can play pretty decent basketball. Miami pushed. Uh, was it Duke 
that they pushed in the ACC tournament. They played Miami played Duke in the ACC tournament. Um, who is a really, really good team. And USC, we know they're capable of, uh, of winning basketball games. Isaiah Mobley is a really, really good uh, basketball player for them. So either one of those teams, you're going to be tested a little bit more than you were against Jacksonville State. You, If you're Auburn, Auburn, you got to take this game, say, all right, we did great, let's move on. We can't, you know, you can't sit there and you can't celebrate for too long on this game because – it was, a, you know, you were two versus a 15 seed. Now, that's never, that's not a guaranteed win, as we saw last night with Kentucky and St. Peter's. But you got the job done. You move forward in the tournament. And now you get set. You, you wait and see who you play on Sunday. And you prepare for them. And, and you, you've got to go out there and you've got to play with the same intensity that you did today against Jacksonville State on Sunday. Yeah, Auburn winners 80-61 to 61 over Jacksonville State. Um a lot to talk about with this game. JSU gave it a good 16 minutes or so. They hit some tough threes early. and, and But to be honest with you, even Auburn's defense was still pretty good early. It was just oh, JSU yeah. uh, got a couple deep threes, a couple slightly contested threes to go. And then from then on, it was even harder than that. And JSU missed a lot in a row from three because of the difficulty of those shots. And Auburn's defense, that's something in the Texas A&M game we talked about in the SEC tournament where – Yes, Auburn shot just an unbelievably poor percentage for 35 minutes or so. But even because even with that, how good their defense has been kept them in that game. You saw, likewise, Arkansas not be able to stay in the game to the very end because their defense did not get stops down the stretch and A&M pulled away rather than staying within striking distance if the team ever got hot. So that was at least an encouraging sign that you know, despite the fact that Auburn does at some point have to hit shots, that that game was pretty close at the end, despite Auburn being about as bad as a team can be uh, at hitting shots. And now in this game, you see Auburn gets off to another wonderful start, uh, or uh, you know, from really the whole game defensively. JSU only shoots 31% in the game, 32% from three, but Auburn missed some threes late, but at one point was 50% from three. I think they started seven of 14 or something like that from three, shot 45% for the game. So still not an incredible number. They cooled off a little late, but uh, got it going early offensively to where they were able to build a, a nice halftime lead going on a late run and, and then got off to a big start in the second half. Let's go ahead and go to our Auburn Bank phone line, 887-34 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-Tiger-9. Our first caller of the day, Sean. Sean has called in. Sean, how are you doing? I ain't called five turn A's. Say that again, Sean? I ain't called five turn A's. I know. It's been a while since we talked to you. How have you been? Oh, good. Hey. My purpose is to stay home most of the time. Yeah, Sean, I, I, uh, I, I know that uh, you usually like talking to JJ, and I know we've got a, a baseball coming up, and we've got uh, Braves to talk about. So, um, you know, JJ not being here today, but uh, I'm sure you're excited for the Braves to be back. Yes, Papa. Thanks, Jamie. Say that again, Sean. Yeah, you got one pass. Hey, guys. Hey, Sean, how are you? You're fired. Oh, man. Man, you're funny, Sean. You you keep firing everybody on the show. Are you going to fire JJ? Yeah. You fired too. 
Wow. Well, well, we'll have to tell him that he's fired then, and I'm sure he hate that he missed your call, but we do appreciate the phone call, Sean. He's not fired. I appreciate that, Sean. <laughs> I, I'd like to keep my job, so uh, I do appreciate that. Yeah, I'm doing good. Glad you're doing uh, well. You ready for baseball? Yeah. Yeah, we're excited about baseball, too. We were worried that they weren't going to play this year. It's all your fault. It would have been all my fault, but fortunately that uh, fortunately we will have baseball, and so I did not create the end of uh, Major League Baseball. But uh, it was good to hear from Auburn. It was good. Auburn uh, baseball. Auburn baseball playing tonight against Ole Miss. That's where JJ is. He'll have the call of that one. Number one Ole Miss in town. Ole Miss won last night. We'll see if Auburn get back off this night. Well, we appreciate the phone call, Sean. That is Sean on our Auburn Bank phone line. Got to go to our first break of the show today. On the other side, more sports call after this. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Jake Crane, host of the J-Boy Show, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Sports Call continuing on on this Friday afternoon. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, and Brooks Childress with you here today. Kicking off the show early with a good call from Sean on the other side of that break. Now I've got a couple more callers. James from Montgomery will be up next. But for now, we'll get our next caller, and that will be... Daryl from Auburn. Daryl joins the program. Daryl, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Uh, yeah, I checked on the score when I was uh, at local food store Kroger and I was all excited about coming home my feet were wet my socks were wet and then I was disappointed what happened to the internet connection with the play-by-play yeah so that was something interesting uh going on in Greenville is that uh the the internet and ethernet went out in Greenville and so that's how now everything was okay over here uh that's how the broadcast stayed on air but uh Brad Law obviously had to call that game from the studio for a little while and then Andy called in uh via phone uh to try and do play-by-play that game so that was an issue with the internet and ethernet in Greenville South Carolina well, Brad did the best he could, but it just wasn't the same. Uh, no offense to uh, Brad Law, but and then when uh, we got a hold of, not we, uh, you guys got a hold of Andy via phone, it was a little bit better or a little bit more closer to the game. But um, it, you don't realize how much you miss somebody, you know, Sonny Smith and Andy Bertram, when you get into a situation like that. Yeah, very frustrating situation for sure. I mean, this is the the crown jewel of the game of college basketball, and 
And uh, the play in the NCAA tournament is special to a lot of teams and it's special to a lot of broadcasters. So I'm sure of a lot of frustration that uh, the internet quit working on him in, in Greenville. Well, that almost makes me want to get cable, but not quite. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, is it is the Sunday game going to be at the same venue in Greenville? Yes, it will. And I, I don't know the time for that game. It should be announced uh, tonight after the conclusion of all these first-round games. Uh, but all I, all I know is that it will be in Greenville, South Carolina, and it will be on Sunday. And they'll have the internet. Well, we hope. I can't. I guess I can't promise you. Usually, I'd say, "Yeah, Daryl, they'll definitely have internet," but uh, I don't know. We can't promise that. Apparently, yeah, ain't no telling. I may be cooking bacon and waffles if it's an earlier game. Hopefully, it'll be after that. Uh, but anyway, uh, you guys have a great day, and I'll be listening to your show. I got to take my nap after the game, and now I'm listening to you guys. So. Well, that sounds like a pretty complete day, pretty full day. Honestly, you got to get a little midday rest in, and and uh, we're glad to be talking to you, Daryl. All right, well, I'm good to about 9 or 10 o'clock, so we're good to go. Sounds good. We get off of the air at 6, so you should have no problems at all. Well, right after you, it's the economic news with NPR, and then I get my DVDs at the library. I'm good for entertainment for the evening. So. Oh, that's a great way to spend a Friday, I believe. All right. Well, I'll let you get to your other callers. I got, they probably have more to contribute than I do. So. Ah, no, we always enjoy talking to you, Daryl. We do hope you have a great day, and we hope you enjoy the rest of the program. Okie dokie. We'll talk to you. That is Daryl from Auburn on our Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-3401 locally. Toll free one triple nine tiger 9 James from Montgomery now going to be the next caller on our Auburn Bank phone line. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I was just um, watching Auburn and uh, Jacksonville State, and Auburn actually did win that game for Bruce Pearl because um, they actually said that it was his first win on his birthday. So happy birthday to our basketball head coach at Auburn, Bruce Pearl. That was a really good birthday gift that they really did for uh, their coach as well. Yeah, no, obviously Bruce Pearl with a March birthday. These head coaches, they uh, they don't get a lot of opportunities to play on their birthday if it's in March, but if they do, that means it's probably a pretty meaningful game. So I'm sure Bruce was was very excited to get a birthday present and get the, uh, the Auburn victory. Yes, as well. And then I saw Jabari uh, Kessler making a, um NBA poster shot. I uh, haven't looked at it yet, but I think it looks pretty good. And I, I, I'll just have to see how Auburn actually do, you know, for the rest of the um, tournament and uh, seeing who they're going to play after um, USC and um, Miami. So I think with, with Miami, I'll probably see Miami and Auburn actually playing in tomorrow's game as well. Yeah, the the game will be on Sunday, but uh, yeah, you know, you go back to that Jabari Smith dunk, and uh, that obviously lit uh, lit up social media. The the uh, commentators on TV had a great time with it. We all around the office jumped for joy, and I enjoyed that one thoroughly. So uh, that was a big time dunk and a big way to to cap off the victory if you're Auburn. Yeah, because I mean, with with that being said, I think Jabari Smith. I I know I was uh, getting um, like notifications on my phone, and I just uh, like after the game was over, I know I got a notification that Jabari Smith was going to be in in the NBA lottery pick. So I don't know what team out there that might pick him up 
in the lottery, so I don't know um, what teams are actually looking at them. I'm not quite sure on that as well. Yeah, well, I can tell you, James, you know, obviously there is a lottery in the NBA, so telling you the worst teams in the league is not a sure bet, but I can tell you mm-hmm. teams like Orlando, Detroit, and Houston uh, are very likely to win the lottery, and then Jabari is probably going to go one or two at this point. It may be third, uh, but it feels like top two for Jabari Smith. And so, like I said, the Rockets, um, the Magic, and the Pistons all seem to be having the worst records in the NBA, so they will have the best chances to win the lottery and select Jabari Smith. Yeah, because I'm actually um, every year when the uh, NBA uh, lottery picks come out, I'm always uh, looking at who's going to, who, what teams out there are going to pick up some guys, and then once those guys actually get picked by that team, I'm just trying to see. I'm just like pinpointing um, on that one guy to see how he's actually going to do for that team as well. Yeah, obviously each team is. Uh, spends a lot of time trying to think about who they want, and it's a big deal for these teams to have draft picks in the lottery because obviously it means they missed the playoffs. It means they need a game changer, and so teams picking in that top 10, top 12, uh, they scout really, really hard to try and figure out who can be their next franchise player. Yeah, because with uh, Auburn, uh, with their with their tournament chances being um, wide open right now, at the end of the tournament, I'll probably see Auburn and Gonzaga actually meeting up, you know, in the in the end uh, rounds of the tournament as well. I'll probably see them play for the uh, for you know the big the big games as well coming up in April as as the tournament goes on, and I'll just see Auburn and uh, Gonzaga actually playing. I think a lot of people would welcome that matchup, and that is a matchup first and foremost that can happen. They would not meet until the national championship game, and. Uh, talked about Jabari going one or two in the NBA draft. The the other guy that would go up there with him is Chet Holmgren of Gonzaga. So you would have the potential number one and number two picks going against each other. Don't want to leave out Paolo Bancaro of Duke as well. He can be number three, maybe number two. Uh, but uh, that would be a huge matchup between Auburn and Gonzaga. Yeah, because I just um, I actually looked at my bracket and it's looking pretty good right now. Some of the teams I've seen from uh, yesterday to today, some of the teams are really looking good, and then some of the teams that I had on my bracket they're not looking so good as well. So my bracket is kind of it's, it's like it's not it's like a it's like a uh, toss up with with uh, March Madness brackets as well. So I'm just trying to see um, if if any teams might make a bounce back um, later on and uh, seeing if they're going to, like, you know, fix my bracket as well. What did you think about Kentucky losing to St. Peter's last night? Um, I actually saw that game, and I was very, very upset with Kentucky because I did have Kentucky favored um, to win it, but they just could not pull it out in the second quarter of the game, and that was really that um, broke my bracket right then and there. It split it have it, it split it right down the middle as well. So I just had to see what teams might you know fix it, you know, fix my bracket, and uh, seeing if I will win uh, March Madness as well. Yeah, that uh, that game definitely busted my bracket, James. But uh, I did not want Kentucky to win, just from a pure fan standpoint. Not a big fan of the Wildcats or how they've uh, were acting after losing to Auburn this year. So I was okay with them losing, even though, uh, as you said, it, it also destroyed my bracket. 
Yeah, because I mean, when when this um, March Madness um, tournament comes out, a lot of people always say you got to do like you know when you're a, a March Madness fan for so many many years, like myself and many others. I mean, it's really hard to figure out what teams that you want to pick or what teams that you want to lose in the March Madness tournament and anything can happen in March, you know, while it's March Madness, any anything can actually happen. I mean, I've seen, um, you know, for so many years in the March Madness uh, history, I've seen some teams actually make a comeback, you know, before the big NCAA tournament. I've seen like Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, Texas, and Auburn, uh, just to name a few uh, schools out there that just made a, a huge comeback in March Madness history as well. Yeah, obviously a lot of teams have uh, participated in the NCAA tournament and have their one shining moment or have their big moments in the NCAA tournament. So a lot of teams uh, cherish each and every opportunity in the NCAA tournament. Do you have NFL news for us today, James? Oh, yes, I actually do have NFL news. I know that y'all were talking about uh, Deshaun Watson actually getting traded to the Cleveland Browns. I hope you do good with the Cleveland Browns. And um, just seeing what he'll actually – what. What uh, what key components will the Browns uh, organization actually get for him uh, this coming up uh, draft week as well? So I think it will be a really good fit for uh, Deshaun Watson to actually go up there and uh, play with the Cleveland Browns as well. Yeah, I believe the, the Browns are trading multiple first-round picks to the Texans and some second-round picks as well. And they're also giving Deshaun Watson a big pay raise. He's going to be making a lot of money as he plays for the Browns. Yes, as well, because I did see that. I think he's getting paid $230 million on his salary. So that's I think that's about five years, if I'm correct. I think so. Yes, yes, so I am correct on that. That two, that two, uh, that $230 million, excuse me, $230 million salary uh, cap that's for five years with the Cleveland Browns. So I think with him actually taking the Cleveland Browns to the uh, – to the Super Bowl this year, um, I'll probably see him actually being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame real soon as well. Safe to say you wish you had $230 million, James? Uh, if I was in the NFL, I would love to actually have that kind of that kind of uh, pay raise as well. Yeah, I think we all would, but uh, that's certainly big breaking news. Anything else on your mind today? Um, no, but I'm actually going to be watching Auburn and Old Miss um, baseball if I can actually find it on TV tonight. So I'm just going to try to see where can I actually, um, what channels would actually set it in. But if it's not on any sports channels, I'll just have to uh, live stream it through uh, YouTube uh, app as well. Yeah, I don't think it's on TV uh, from the standpoint of regular cable. It's on the SEC Network Plus. So you kind of have to have a subscription for that, you know, like ESPN Plus. And then it's available to stream that way. And JJ is on the call of that one. Oh, okay. So, um, what about the women's um, um, March Madness tournament? Because I know I did uh, actually see uh, Don Daly actually winning their first game uh, with the uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. Do you think they're going to actually win their um, tournament out this year? I think they've got a great chance. They won 79-21 to against Howard today. A very uh, a 58-point victory, uh, quite large to say the least. So I think South Carolina definitely is on the short list of teams that can win the women's NCAA tournament. Yes, because I did, um, I did the women's bracket, and I 
Um, I did it last couple of weeks. I did it last week, and I actually have uh, South Carolina winning on their um, bracket as well. On the women's side of the uh, March Madness tournament, I have Don Staley winning the NCAA tournament as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people around the office, we picked an NCAA women's tournament winner as well, and I think a lot of people picking South Carolina to at least make the Final Four, if not win it all. So that's a good pick, James. Yes, yeah, so I'm just going to see how um, Alabama is actually right now in the first quarter is three to two with Notre Dame actually, um, you know, breaking away. And I'm seeing if Notre Dame is actually going to be beating Alabama uh, in the second half of that game as well. I think Auburn fans would enjoy that, James. Obviously, Auburn with an Auburn win, a Kentucky loss. I think the trifecta in the first round for Auburn fans would to see. Uh, Alabama lose as well so that's a close game early and uh, we'll be we'll be keeping people updated with the score all right sounds good and I'll talk to y'all guys on Monday sounds good hope you have a great weekend James War Eagle all right War Eagle that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line we're gonna go ahead and take our next break of the program birthdays in sports coming up after this timeout J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger continues on on this Friday afternoon, Tiger 95.9. We're on the Tiger Communications app. Ryan, Brant, and Brooks with you here today. Just a few minutes left in hour number one. I've already had three phone calls today from Sean, Daryl, and James. And uh, we've enjoyed those very much. If you want to give us a call, 887-341-LOCALLY, toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We do this each and every day on the show, though. It is time for... It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports today on March the 18th. And, of course, we got a load of birthdays to talk about today. JT Rilamuto turning 31, catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, who has also played for the Marlins. Marlin selected him in the third round of the 2010 MLB draft. Real Muto chose to sign with the team rather than honor a commitment to playing college baseball at Okie Doke State. He is a three-time All-Star, one-time Gold Glove Award winner, and two-time Silver Slugger. JT Real Muto is 31 today. Not a not a big fan of his. Just because he doesn't he he's been in the East a lot against the Braves. He's like he's played a lot against the Braves. Yeah. Real Muto 
was a, was a Marlin, obviously, now a Philly. So spending a lot of time there, although with the Marlins, he felt a lot less impactful than with the, the Phillies today. Yeah. Fernando Rod- Rodney turns 45, Dominican-American pitcher for the Toros de Tijuana of the Mexican League. He played in the MLB for a long time with the Detroit Tigers, Los Angeles Angels, Tampa Bay Rays, Seattle Mariners, Chicago Cubs, San Diego Padres, Miami Marlins, Arizona Diamondbacks, Minnesota Twins, <laughs> Oakland Athletics, and Washington Nationals. Safe to say he was a journeyman. Yes. And if you're listening out there and your team was not named, you're in the minority. Rodney <laughs> made his MLB debut in MLB in 2002, joined the 300 Save Club in 2017, three-time All-Star, one-time Saves Leader, one-time AL Comeback Player of the Year, and was a World Series champion. Fernando Rodney turns 45 today. Every time he would close the game, let me make sure I'm thinking the right guy. When he would cl- finish a closing, he would fire an arrow into the, like, if it's Tropicana Field, he'd fire it into the roof. Yes, if it's would. another ballpark, any other ballpark in the major leagues, he would just fire it into the air. Like, he would fire an arrow. Not literally, but, like, figuratively fire an arrow. He would go Hunger Games on them <laughs> right after it. Just fire a Katniss Everdeen. A uh, shot into the air. What was the? It was, was it was it chicken that they were playing on uh, Grown Ups, where they fired the arrow up and straight up in the air on the movie Grown Ups. They fired the arrow uh, straight up yes. in the air, and yep. they just wait. Like they, everyone started had to run. Whoever's last standing in the circle stayed there. Yep, that's sure what he played. Oh man! All right, uh, Andre Risen turns fifty-five today. Former wide receiver who played for the Colts, Falcons, Browns, Jaguars, Packers, Chiefs, and Raiders. Also played for the Argonauts of the CFL. As a senior at Michigan State, Risen had 30 receptions for 709 yards and five touchdowns. He was a prominent contributor to the 1987 Michigan State squad that won the Rose Bowl. Gasparty. Five-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, one-time Grey Cup champion, and one-time Super Bowl champion. Andre Risen turns 55 today. Kurt Warner, not the Kurt Warner of the Rams and Cardinals, but Kurt Warner turns 61 today, former NFL running back, who was a two-time All-American while at Penn. Warner was drafted by the Seahawks in the first round of the 1983 draft. Warner was inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame December 8, 2009, and was Offensive Rookie of the Year in 1983. Was a three-time All-Star and two-time AFC Offensive Player of the Year. He's currently the running backs coach at Thomas High School in Washington. Go Quakers! Pin grad. Oh yeah, I, for, I I was trying to think of it because I, I know you usually do the mascot thing, and yeah. you didn't say anything when we talked about pin. I wanted I, I wanted to make sure I was trying to think to make sure that it was the Quakers, but it is the Pin Quakers. So Kurt Warner turned sixty one today, and last but not least, but not technically last, because more on that in a moment. Brian Greasy turns forty seven, former NFL quarterback. Greasy played three seasons at Michigan. Go Big Blue. Leading the Wolverines to the 1997 National Championship after being selected in the third round by the Denver Broncos uh, in the 1998 NFL Draft. Earned a Super Bowl ring with the Broncos in his rookie season as backup to John Elway. Elway retired at the Super Bowl and Greasy became the starting quarterback for the Broncos during the 1999 season. Greasy was a Pro Bowl selection with the Broncos in 2000. He's now a quarterback coach for the San Francisco 49ers, vacating the booth. And Monday Night Football as Joe Brock and Troy Aikman enter it, and we never really talked about that this week, I don't think. But Joy, Joe, Joy, Joe Buck, Joy Taylor, Joy Boyk, and Troy Aikman joining the Monday Night Football crew. But uh, Brian Greasy turning 47 today, and then happy birthday 
to the Auburn head basketball coach, Bruce Pearl. He turned 62 today. Uh, Of course, the Auburn Tigers head basketball coach since 2014 in his career uh, overall as a head basketball coach, 627 wins up against uh, 242 losses. And at Auburn, 166 and 97, led Auburn to their first ever Final Four back in 2018-19 season. And now, of course, has the Tigers into the round of 32, Bruce Pearl turned 62 today. And those are the birthdays in sports. Good list today. And, of course, an Auburn man right there with Bruce. So a uh, good way of celebrating today with that victory in the NCAA tournament. We're going to take one final timeout of the hour. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one. This is Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Final segment of our number one on Sports Call today. Ryan Brooks and Brant with you. Filling in for JJ. JJ will be doing Auburn and Ole Miss on the SEC Network Plus. That game scheduled for a 6 o'clock first pitch, 545 on the Auburn Sports Network. You can listen to it on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. So just a few minutes left in hour number one. Going to give you a tournament update right now. Villanova is going to advance through Against Delaware, they lead that one 74-55 with three minutes left. Miami, after having a decisive 11-point lead at the half, has come out of the second half nothing like the first. USC has already scored as many points in the second half as they did in the entire first half, and they've done that in eight minutes. That is to say their first half was quite poor. Their second half is quite good so far. So that game has flipped. USC leads Miami 40-38 to with 12 minutes to play. The winner of that one will take on Auburn at a time to be determined on Sunday. Also, Notre Dame and Alabama. Of course, many of our listeners are interested in what the Tide will do. 8.28 to go in the first half. Notre Dame 21, Alabama 19 in a close one. Uh Brooks telling us over the commercial break there that Charlie Potter and the TNT broadcast say that Javon Quinterly has been injured and is out for the remainder of the game. So that sounds like a fairly significant injury to be ruled out that quickly. And so the Tide and Fighting Irish locked in a close one there. Fighting Irish advancing through on that wild double OT game against Rutgers in the first four. And so uh, just a few minutes left. I guess I should also update you that Virginia Tech and Texas, an 11-6 matchup has begun. Seven minutes in that one, low scoring. Virginia Tech 10, Texas 7. Virginia Tech, of course, the ACC tournament champions after defeating Duke. So always a lot to watch with the NCAA tournament. How are you guys feeling? you enjoyed the tournament so far? Has it been what you expected it to be? Not necessarily each upset victory, the ones that you expected, but has it been the right amount of chaos for you thus far? 
I think so, and I've I haven't been shy about it. I am not the biggest basketball fan in the world. I have not watched a ton of the NCAA tournament in the past, but I have gotten into it in the past couple of years. And certainly, I think that there is a appropriate amount of chaos and appropriate amount of chaos that we've seen so far this year. Whole lot of upsets. Um, anytime a two a fifteen beats a two, uh, I think that's a pretty pretty chaotic moment, and everyone loves to see things like that. Uh, even if it does bust the brackets wide open. So, yeah, I, I think it's been a pretty good tournament thus far. Always the round of 64 is awesome because you get so much basketball over the course of two days. And it's a lot of fun to to keep track of, not just as a fan, but as part of my job now, is is looking around and keeping track of everything. And it's made it a little bit more intense, but it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, yesterday, I'll, I'll tell you this, yesterday it started out technically with a, a seeding upset i don't know if it was you would define it as an upset with michigan taking down colorado state but in seeding wise it was an upset with an 11 taking down a, a seven um six six sorry uh but to start off yesterday everything kind of seemed to be going chalk everyone you know the higher seat some of the higher seeds were winning uh teams that were favored to win were winning but then you hit that second tier of games and it was it, Richmond kind of started off the big chaos yesterday, and then you had that St. Peter's Kentucky game last night, and you had some overtime matchups last night that were really really fun. And then it's kind of back. We've gone come back a little bit to the first part of today, where everything's kind of chalk. All the higher seeds are winning to start things, uh, and now you you've got what could be uh, the game that kicks things off. Uh, the craziness off for today is that. Uh, that Miami and USC game, even though it's a 10-7 matchup and it, it's a fairly close matchup, the fact that it could, you know, that it was what what did you what did we say? It was 31 to 20 at the half, yep. and now it is uh, USC has outscored Miami 20 to nine in the second half, tied at 40, uh, with just under 12 to play there. That that could be the game that starts the, the chaos off here. You've got some uh, potential matchups tonight that could be interesting. That Chattanooga Illinois, I know a lot of people have been looking at that as a potential upset uh, bid. Who knows what's going to happen with LSU when they come out tonight as a six seed versus an 11 seed? Iowa State's a good basketball team. You just don't know how uh, how LSU's going to fare without um, you know their, their head coach Will Wade. Uh, UAB Houston should be a really really fun game. Davidson's got a chance to upset upset Michigan State tonight, and then you've got another you know eight nine matchup for the late game TCU and Seton Hall, which could be a really really fun matchup between those two. So I. I've enjoyed it so far. I think you've got the just amount, the, just the right amount of chaos that you're taking out some favorites, but there's still quite a few bigger names that are in the tournament to keep the most of the country interested. Yeah, obviously Kentucky of the national championship contenders, the only one to fall thus far, and you know that's usually that way through one round. I think you know obviously one one seed ever losing in the first round. Uh, it's not really until the second round, the round of 32, where you start looking at one seeds. And look, that eight or nine does beat a one fairly often. And usually one of those one seeds at least gets really, really scared with one of them. And we'll have to see how that shakes out. Still another eight, nine to be played. But uh, certainly the way North Carolina looked yesterday, uh, given that Baylor has some injuries, Carolina might be in play there. Uh, Memphis has taken down some pretty good teams at times this year. They'll play Gonzaga, who got a scare from Georgia State. So a lot going on. And also don't want to forget about number 12 seed New Mexico State winning uh, their their game in the 5-12 matchup as they were able to, to get an upset victory there in the first round over UConn. Now do it for our number one of the show today. More sports call after this timeout. We'll continue to talk in the tournament. Also get into the NFL a little bit as well. You're listening to Sports Call. 
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two underway of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening to us after the fact on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by... Us, us. We brought to you. We're bringing different you people every day. It's Some us. of the you find callers bring it to us every day with what you've got in mind, and uh, obviously, we appreciate all those that listen in and tune in if it's live or after the fact on that sports call podcast. And of course, you can find it on an array of different things like Google Play, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Stitcher, SoundCloud, SoundCloud. That's not a new thing. That's just me pronouncing. I'm going to make that a thing. SoundCloud. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, we do appreciate everyone that listens in and, and uh, supports us and listens to what we have to say. And so what we're going to talk about first here in hour number two is more of the Auburn Tigers. Uh, try and deep dive into that game against JSU a little bit more. Still waiting to find out who Auburn will be playing in the round of 32. Miami and Southern Cal locked up in a close one with nine minutes to go in the second half. Miami has retaken a close three-point lead over USC 45 to 42 but Auburn victorious today 80 to 61 the first half uh, was close for most of it about 16 minutes JSU hitting some threes staying in the ball game but Auburn goes on a nice run to end the half they take a 12-point lead in the half and then continue to play great defense in the second half and get out to a hot start uh, offensively early in the second half to really kind of put this one away. It was never closer than double digits in the second half. So uh, Auburn shoots it pretty well today. They, they cooled off late, uh, but 9 of 24 from 3. Four Tigers in double figures, four of those being starters, with a couple other guys like Jalen Williams, Wendell Green closing in on double figures. Wendell had 9 on an efficient 3 of 5 shooting. Jalen Williams on an efficient three of three shooting and two of two from three. And that was before uh, the incident with Walker Kessler where elbow went into face of Jalen Williams and uh, kind of scary there for Jalen who apparently had a couple teeth chipped and Walker who had a nice gash. And uh, according to some of the reports of people courtside had a part of a tooth in his elbow mm. so just disturbing to know all that but uh that was really about the only problems auburn had after that uh, hot start from jsu shooting wise yeah it, it was uh i think this auburn team you you thought you know you, you you came into this game and you said auburn should win this game but then last night you watched kentucky go down to st peter's and 
that was a two fifteen matchup, and you, st- I'm, not everybody, but I'm sure some people started creeping your mind. You're like, well, if Auburn is, if Auburn plays the way they've played away from Auburn Arena as of late, maybe this could happen to us. I think a lot of the Auburn fan base was making fun of Kentucky, uh, understandably. But I, I, you know, there was a certain portion that you you had to think about. He's like, well, if it happened to Kentucky, could it happen? To, could it happen to Auburn? And I think that Auburn came in and they knew. I think they saw that last night and they knew that it could happen. I think Bruce Pearl did a good job all week preaching and know you know it, it helped him that he knew the head coach of Jacksonville State that they they've coached against each other so he knows how the coaches you know know knows about the, how they he runs a program so uh, i think that all week Bruce Pearl has done a good job of of talking to the team and making sure that they were ready making sure that they came in and said hey and, and he talked about this. He, he said that we're playing like we, we want to play like a 12 seed. I don't think, you know, I, uh, Steve brought it up yesterday um, on the show. And uh, I think Jeff also brought it up yesterday on the show. Auburn, I, I would like to see Auburn play. I, I think that, you know, coming down the stretch, you want to see Auburn start saying we are we deserve to be here. Right. And I think that that's the mentality that I think you know a lot of a lot of teams go with. You, I deserve to be here. We are good. We deserve to be in this tournament. Uh, and that was you know a point talked with Steve about yesterday. But then when Jeff called in, also talked about it. But you also want the team to say we deserve to be here, but also have the little you know have it say, but we're not good enough, or we're we are we're not good enough to win every single game. We've got to go out and fight every single game. And I, I think that's what happened today. I think Auburn came out there, and they knew that Jacksonville State was a team that, given the chance, they could shoot their way to an upset. And Auburn, I think, did a really good job of adjusting to what Jacksonville State wanted to do offensively, and said, "Where this is what you're, we're going to let you do," and it 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 helped. I think that Auburn basketball, all, this Auburn team, uh, came in and kind of exercised some of those some of those demons that uh, they they had to they were coping with away from Auburn Arena. I think this is a really good uh, uh, game that Auburn uh, for Auburn to use going forward because now after the last few weeks of playing away from home, uh, what the last uh, I think the last game you you won out away from home was that overtime win at Mississippi State. Other than that, there was a few, you know, you, you lost at Tennessee, you lost in the SEC tournament and in Tampa. You've lost on the road at Arkansas. There there are games that you know Auburn. It, it kind of creeps into your mind if you're if if you're Auburn and say, "Can we win away from home now down the stretch?" And I think that today's game helped with those the exercise those demons say, "Yes, we can." You know, if we step up and play the the level of basketball that we need to play, you can win away from home. And I think that's going to go uh, be big going to the next game against either one of the teams you play, either Miami or USC. Both of those teams are really, really decent basketball teams. They're not a Jacksonville State. you got to step it up in competition now. But I think that this t- today's game was a really, really good stepping stone to get to that next game and build a lot of confidence. Auburn with 50 rebounds to JSU's 32 today, 10 blocks to one block, nine of those 10 blocks to Walker Kessler. Kessler had a, a big game today for the Tigers. He really did, and it, what makes it even more impressive is he was out for a good eight-minute stretch in that second half where, like you said, he and Jalen Williams got, I don't want to say tangled up, but an inadvertent elbow to the mouth that definitely uh, it caused a little bit of a scare, but he came back out and, and finished the game and is probably going to have to have stitches on his elbow, but yeah, it, 
he played really well. I think everybody played well. I, I've already talked about the uh, the Jabari Smith poster. Alan Flanagan looked comfortable today. He looked more like himself, even if he's not back to the 16 points a game Flanagan that we saw. He scored six or seven, and that's really all Auburn needs out of him right now. That, that's what I've kind of been saying. You don't need any of those. You don't need one guy to go off for 30 because Jabari's going to score close to 20. Walker's going to score around 15 or so. And you just need six or seven from everybody else, maybe one or two other guys in double digits. But guys like Alan Flanagan, Zepp Jasper, guys, the, uh, um, Devin Cambridge, those guys don't need to score 20 points a night. They need to play great defense and score five, six, seven points. And that's really what happened for Auburn today. Those guys looked much more comfortable in the comfortable in those roles. Zepp had Zepp played incredible defense today, uh, on the ball and off the ball. He looked really good. It, Auburn did what they were supposed to do. Auburn did what a fifth, what a two seed is supposed to do to a 15 seed for the most part, which is good because you have to go out there and do it right. Um, Brooks is right. USC and Miami are both better than Jacksonville State. Auburn's going to have to come out and keep up the intensity. But if Auburn plays well uh, on Sunday like they did today, they should come in, come out with a win and advance this Week 16. So uh, a storyline that I'm starting to follow uh, involving it involves Auburn because it involves Jabari Smith, something we haven't seen in a couple of years. We last saw this in 2019 when the first few picks were – Zion Williamson, John Morant, who had success in the NCAA tournament, then R.J. Baird, obviously, at Duke, that, that Duke team losing the lead eight. Then DeAndre Hunter was a part of the Virginia team that beat Auburn. Those top four picks very ingrained in what happened in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, in 2020, did not have the tournament. But even if you had, got, even if you'd had it, Anthony Edwards and Georgia went 16-16. They were not going to the NCAA tournament. James Wiseman was not playing for Memphis anymore. He played a few games, got hurt, and then sat out the rest of the season. And then LaMelo Ball was not playing college basketball. So the top three would have not taken place in a 2020 NCAA tournament. And then last year, you had something pretty similar. Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State not in the tournament. And then Jalen Green did not play college basketball. Went to NBA G League Ignite. Evan Mobley did play in the tournament, I believe, for USC, but if they made the tournament, they didn't go very far. So what you're seeing this year is what we've not seen since 2019. The top three picks, and there's a clear um, clear drop-off between three and four, uh, a precipice that one, two, and three are on far higher than anything else. Jabari Smith plays for a team that could win the national championship. Chet Holmgren plays for a team that can win the national championship. Paolo Bancaro plays for a team that could win the national championship. Your top three picks play on really good basketball teams and could go very deep in this tournament. We could see Bancaro versus Holmgren in the Elite Eight. Jabari being on the other side of the bracket, Auburn have to get to a national championship game in one of those two teams also to see a matchup there. But I'm enjoying, I'm, and I feel like I'm going to enjoy watching all three play on a, on the same stage. I mean, this is uh, this has been a pretty debated one through three all season long. They've had their moments where they've all been at number one at one point. Uh, I think recently Paolo has kind of fallen to more three, and it's more between Holmgren and Jabari for one and for one and two. Uh, but maybe a big NCAA tournament gets Paolo back into play. So what are you guys looking forward to seeing out of those three, knowing that they're on teams playing with real chances to win this tournament? 
I uh, I was reading an article earlier and it talked about Jabari Smith uh, and and him knowing he had the opportunity to go anywhere and, and that includes the G League. He could have gone to he could have gone pro uh, immediately, but instead he chose to come to Auburn. He wanted to go through the grind of the college experience and he wanted to play in the NCAA tournament, which he's going to now. This is where he wants to be. Uh, and I think you're right, Ryan. Seeing those top picks all be a part of uh, of everything that's happening in the NCAA tournament makes it better. I mean, there's as great as the G League is, you're not going to get many eyes on you. And you're right. The, the top three are all still playing. And that's... I mean, man, that, that's that makes the sport great. I think. I think it's you know. I think it makes one. It makes the sport great. I think it it also kind of uh, puts not puts to rest, but I think it it gives you a, a shot to the the um, the narrative that oh, college basketball is dying. The the players are going to go to the G League and all this. I, I think that a lot of that stopped when you did get NIL and players could come and make uh, money off their name, image, and likeness rather than go to the G League and get paid. Um, but I think that this, you know, you see the top three picks. They're going to be lottery picks in some form or fashion, whatever order they are. They came and played college basketball. And, you know, it's two of them played at big powers. One of them plays at a rising power in Jabari Smith coming to Auburn. And I, I think you see that with with NIL – it it gives these players now the opportunity that maybe like like we mentioned some of these guys could have gone and played at uh, at the G League Jabari Smith could have gone and played at the G League this year and then gone to the draft but he chose to come to Auburn and he you know he's got an NIL uh, deals I think well, I, I didn't even know this but he's got a clothing line uh, apparently uh, but he's he's making money off of his name image and likeness. And he's able to come and play college basketball. I think it's good for the sport. You get some of these bigger names to come back, and you know, instead of going to the G League, you come back and you play college basketball. I think it's really, really fun. I think you've got three guys. If if all three of them make the incident or make the uh, Final Four, you've got you know Chet Holmgren versus Paulo Bencaro in the in one side of the bracket. And then if Auburn makes the national championship against one of those teams, it's you know you've got matchup that is so fun to watch. And it's it gives you it get puts these guys on a big stage, uh, the biggest stage in college basketball for the NBA for NBA fans to watch before they get up to the NBA. Uh, it, it's it's phenomenal for the for the sport. It's phenomenal for the college basketball. Yeah, again, uh, Gonzaga and Duke uh, having played earlier this year, we did see that uh, in the regular season, but would hold a lot more weight. Chet Holmgren had a slower start to the year. I'd be interested to see what he does against some bigger. Bodies, because I think that would be my criticism of him. Is I don't know how his post game uh, would go in the NBA, and maybe more importantly, how his defense would hold up in the NBA, being so lean. Uh, and also, just feels like he's one dude falling into his leg away from out for the season. He's just so he's, he's what seven foot one, and he, he looks like he's about one hundred and ninety pounds. Yeah, he's he's, thin he's not going to survive the physicality of the NBA at that weight. So he and, and of course, you know, we said that about Durant. He did bulk up, so there's an opportunity for Chet to bulk up. But just right now, as he is, it would be tough for him. But he is certainly very skilled. 
Uh, the skill is there for that of a number one pick, and it's just going to be interesting to see how they all play through the NCAA tournament. They they were able to physically overwhelm Georgia State with their with their size, but then again, that is the 16 seed, so we'll see. You know, Memphis has been a team inconsistent. That's who Gonzaga will play tomorrow, but they do have some very talented players that a big time recruiting class this past season. So uh, the Tigers will be an interesting matchup, and then like we said, that rematch with Duke, Duke winning that game in the regular season. And, of course, that's assuming they both get there um, because March is madness. But uh, uh, very excited to see the top three picks, the consensus top three picks in the, in the draft. Playing meaningful basketball here in the NCAA tournament, as Brant said, hey, look, you still can accomplish everything you want to accomplish NBA dream-wise by going to a college, playing well at the collegiate level, and having a chance on the college world's biggest stage uh, to do something special in the NCAA tournament. With that, we're going to take our first break of hour number two. When we come back, we'll update you about the scores going on right now in the NCAA tournament and get a call from retired Ward MC. This is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. have your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show Hi, my name is what? my name is what? my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 now back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call Welcome back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It is Sports Call, live on this Friday afternoon. Got through a very rainy Friday morning, but uh, we are on our way to having a uh, hopeful rain-free evening. Get in Auburn baseball as they take on number one Ole Miss. Also, Auburn softball opening a series with South Carolina tomorrow, a three-game series as those Tigers start off SEC play 3-0. Going to update the scoreboard. For you in the NCAA tournament, 2.32 to play between Miami and Southern Cal. The winner plays Auburn. The Hurricanes with a one-point lead on a game coming down the wire. Now 2.07 to play, 59-58 Miami in that one. At the half, Notre Dame 41, Alabama 36. Again, Javon Quinterly got hurt in the first half of that one and will not return. And then 11 seed Virginia Tech, 6 seed Texas. It's been close all the way, just under a minute to go in the first half there. 29-27 Virginia Tech. So while we haven't seen a major upset yet today, not that any of these would be, although the 11s are currently leading these sixes, uh, major conference schools. But all these games so far in this part of the window are very close thus far. We hope they stay that way. We hope we have some more entertaining games. 334-887-3401 locally. Toll free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Then join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good. Very good. Uh, I'm Peptop Bismol free. Well, that's good to hear, Steve. Yeah. Listen, uh, loyal to you guys. Uh, Mr. Ryan LaVoy, who else is on the, uh, the show today? Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry. All right. The usual suspects. That's right. Yes, sir. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, afternoon. How about a war damn happy birthday to Coach Bruce Almighty? Yes, yes sir. sir. 62 years young. 
and uh, still doing a wonderful job with the Auburn program. Yeah, he's not too uh, too shabby on this basketball thing. Yeah, no, 20, not at all. Twenty eight and five this year, coach of the year in the SEC. He's had himself a good one. And to quote uh, Coach Pearl today after the uh, game, we got number ten and they don't. Yep, Jabari with another great one. Oh, he posted that guy. He sure did. That was uh, something that I've, you know, as good as Jabari has been, something we have not seen him do a ton successfully is put the ball on the floor and go to the basket. Well, he he got a clear lane and he drove. Now, I understand that uh, there's some teeth missing from Mr. Jalen Williams, or that they were chipped. Yes, sir, his two front teeth chipped out. Yeah, no. not Not yeah. entirely, but yep. Uh, and Chester apparently was pretty, uh, uh, before I read, he was pretty upset about it. He was uh, swearing up and down. Uh, but obviously that was like, but I say, you know, it, it, uh, this kind of thing can only happen to the Auburn team, right? Uh, it happens when we knock each other out. Uh, nobody else uh, probably will, will do that, but we can do it. But now, you know, they're doing a concussion protocol on him. Um, so I guess we'll find out maybe uh, tomorrow if he's good to go. Yeah, maybe so. And, and hate that he is having to go through that because, uh, Going three for three, two of two from three. I know he didn't get to play a lot today because of that injury. Uh, happened pretty early in the second half, or, or at least the midway point. But uh, he had put together a pretty good game, and Auburn's obviously been looking for guys to n- knock down some perimeter shots, and obviously he, he had done that in this game. Yeah, uh, hopefully he can come back. Uh, speaking of the, uh, the game Sunday, guys, I'm watching on True TV uh, the uh, Miami-USC game. Who do we want and who do we match up better with? That's an interesting question. I'm not sure who we match up better with. I know that the the more entertaining option, I think, uh, at least the type of basketball I like to watch, is Miami. Their offense is a lot like Auburn's. It's very fast-paced. They don't like to slow the ball down very much. Um, But uh, the truth is, Auburn is a better team than both of these teams. The the difference is not as big as it is with Jacksonville State. But... uh, but uh, it, it, Auburn should win the game either way. I'm not guaranteeing anything, but those are my thoughts. Either team better at three-point shooting? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to look at their uh, their advanced stats for that. Yeah, so okay. w- with Miami, they're a decent three-point shooting team. They shoot uh, 35.3% from three. Uh, really, their best guards, McGusty and Wong, um, or, or excuse me, really all their best players are guards. McGusty, Cameron McGusty, and Isaiah Wong uh, average over 15 a game. They're not great three-point shooters, especially not Wong. Uh, but I mean, it's a, it's an average three-point team. They, they they're not like JSU, but they also play uh, in the ACC, which is going to be better than the A Sun. They have their moments, but uh, sometimes they're not. And you know, I, honestly, it's hard to pick what matchup you, you'd like in a situation in a seven ten because really you're talking about teams pretty pretty close to one another. And uh, either way, I agree with Brent. You know, Auburn is the better team. That does not, of course, mean they're going to automatically get the get the victory. But um, you know, either team is going to be on paper below Auburn. Uh, but uh, obviously, one of these teams will have a nice nice win coming into the game. Uh, Ryan, would you happen to know, or the rest of you guys, who's better at free throws? Because, again, yesterday we struggled, uh, I mean, today with free throws. We only made 68%. And uh, I thought that uh, Jacksonville uh, would uh, never miss it. They went 15 for 18, 83%. Uh, Free throws, you know, to me, are going to be really, uh, could be a difference maker later on. Do you agree or not? 
Well, I'll I tell you, Miami is a far better free-throw uh, shooting team. I, I've looked this up real quickly while you were speaking. And USC as a team, only 66.6%, which is not good at all uh, from the free-throw line. Miami, however, on the other hand, uh, once again, very guard-dominant guards usually shoot free-throws better, 74.3%. So about an 8% difference there on free throws and I did go ahead and look up Southern Cal Southern Cal shoots the exact same percentage from three so uh, really an even matchup there on three point shooting between USC and Miami but Miami clearly the better foul shooting team yeah I just don't know why we continue to struggle with free throws uh, finally uh, Fanga started making his free throws and Kessler still struggles with his free throws uh, I, and that's, that's remarkable but thank God he all in fact I think he probably should have gotten a triple double um, the only one got uh, nine blocks that they, that they gave him? Yeah, he, he got one late there uh, with about three and a half, four minutes left that was initially ruled not a block and then changed to a block, so he finished with nine. Okay. All right. Guys, what's your takeaways uh, from this game? Because for me, I finally saw the Auburn basketball team that I knew they had the potential for being, but we just hadn't seen it. Yeah, I, I think uh, first and foremost it was important that Auburn knock some shots down from the perimeter. Uh, they, they've got to shoot a decent percentage to win the national championship. They're not going to have to make 15 threes a game like it felt like the, the Jared Harper, Bryce Brown team was doing, but they got to shoot better than 20, 25%, which a lot of games have been down in those 20. So they need to shoot around what they did today in the mid to upper 30s at minimum. Um, and, and then I, I think that their defense is continuing to, to be impressive. Talked about it. Really, really noticed this really early on with the Auburn team that this was. Bruce Pearl's best defensive team and, and that's just continued all season long it continues at the rim with what Walker Kessler is doing I mean nine blocks in an NCAA tournament game is insane like I, I know we would have loved for him to get one more and get the triple double but nine blocks by one player is insane in this situation and then they're on the ball defense at the guard position that will be really important as it looks like it will be Miami for them um, uh, as they lead by four with about 30 seconds left. Miami's guards are the strong point in their team, as I just mentioned. So having Zepp Jasper, who is so good on the ball, having Katie Johnson, who's very active on the ball, uh, having Alan Flanagan guard a wing, those kind of things are very important. And Auburn did a very good job of that against JSU. They JSU did not get many open threes at all. What JSU was able to hit was, for the most part, contested. All right. Now, this is one area, guys, I'm looking at the stats here. You tell me if you're concerned about it or not. Um, I, I, I was shocked by this because uh, we usually are the team that usually creates a lot more turnovers and steals. But they outstole us today. It was seven steals on their end and only two on our end. Yeah, I mean, and that doesn't really concern me. Uh, I mean, Auburn, um, you know, I think – Steals are not necessarily something I spend a lot of time on. I would say turnovers in general would be the one I, I'm more focused on. And I know uh, Auburn did have a few more turnovers. It was 11. We had eight. 11 turnovers. Right. They had eight. Uh, but 11's really not that high of a number. Yeah, that, so, that's that's more a game of both teams really taking good care of the ball. If yeah. you have 11 turnovers in a basketball game, you did a pretty good job. Yeah, so to answer your question, no, I would not be that concerned. Okay, I was extremely pleasantly surprised by this stat. And that was the bench point because we've been struggling with the bench lately in some games. But we uh, scored 21 bench points to their seven. Yeah, that came from, as I said, you know, Jalen hitting a couple shots. Uh, you know, Wendell always has, I mean, he averages double figures for the season. So honestly, nine is low for him, but he didn't take many shots. And he was efficient three of five and, and uh, did a good job at, at shot selection there. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think the biggest thing with the bench is is 
having someone other than Wendell be able to to score for you because he will score. Now, obviously, you focus on his shot selection and, and if he's having to make you know 15 shot attempts to get into his double figures. But if someone like Jalen Williams or Devin Cambridge could start hitting some threes, it would really help the bench out. Or how about does a KD continue to play with his hair on fire again? Yeah, he had a nice game playmaking, seven assists. I mean, he wasn't as selfish as he has been in the past. I mean, he was passing the ball around. Do you notice that, guys? Yeah, I, I think obviously when you see uh, he had a couple transition opportunities where he found the open man in a two-on-one situation, which was smart. You know, usually he kind of goes seeking contact and tries to get an and-one in that situation. So I think he made the right basketball play there and obviously hit a couple threes in there to try and alleviate what was a, a dreadful performance in the SEC tournament. So I think it was a nice bounce-back game and a good place to start for KD. All right. So, guys, when will we know the time slot for our game on Sunday? I would assume after the last game is finished tonight. Um, I, I think those usually get released after tonight's play because obviously once all these games finish, they know all the matchups. They set the times based off that. If I were a betting man, now I could be incredibly wrong, but given that Auburn played the first session today, given that Miami and USC was the second session, I would suppose that it would be an earlier game on Sunday, be like an early afternoon type of game. I would not think it'd be in the last window, but then again, you know, they they can do whatever they they please, but uh, we'll should know that officially. I would I would say after the last game concludes tonight. Okay, all right, fine. Um, apparently, the uh, Kentucky fans, what I've been reading, uh, are, are, um, are on a, uh, I guess, a rampage, to put it mildly, and people are actually saying uh, uh, Calipari should be fired. What, what are your thoughts, guys, about Calipari being on the hot seat? Uh, I think Kentucky fans are clowns. I think they're the most spoiled fan base in college athletics, and anytime they melt down, it is nothing but comedy. Well, do you think that uh, Kentucky's loss, uh, I'm talking about obviously uh, Shuve, uh, diminishes maybe Shuve's uh, Defensive Player of the Year award versus Kessler getting it? Um, I, th- she I, thought, I thought Kessler won the Defensive Player of the Year in the SEC. No, no, I'm talking about in, in the national, you know, the Naismith Player of the Year. He's one of four finalists along with Shuve. Oh no! no. Uh, Chiway had a good game. Uh, that that's not the reason that they lost. Well, I mean, Kentucky being out of it, so now he can't play anymore, and we still got Kessler to play in some additional games, maybe to elevate his performance. Is what I'm getting at. Uh, I mean, I I see that, Steve, but no, not really, because I don't think that they are going to weigh one or two more tournament games. Uh, significantly above the other 30 to 35. And like I said, if Chiboy had not played well, maybe there'd be an opening, but Chiboy literally had 30 and 16. So, yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, you know, there, I understand there's more opportunities for, for the Auburn guys to keep playing and, and put more out there, but Chiboy's final impression was still a good one despite the loss. Is that award announced before or after the tournament, the final NCAA tournament championship? It might be announced before the Final Four. I'm not really sure, though. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And, guys, I know Ole Miss is right number one, but that was just sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Um, from what I read um, comments uh, from my 
uh, some of the uh, sports writers uh, for 247. We just gave the game away uh, to Ole Miss. Uh, did you see it differently? Um, I, I really did not keep close tabs on it, Steve. I know that it was tied at four uh, early on, uh, and I know that Auburn had a, a ton of errors, but I don't know when those errors occurred or how many runs scored off of them. So I, I know Ole Miss is a great offensive team, and you can't help them out at all. So obviously, Auburn, I, I'm seeing now five errors is a absurd amount of errors. And so, yeah, I mean, that's not going to help things, but, but also Ole Miss is the type of team that will always take advantage of that sort of thing. And uh, tonight's game is at 6 o'clock again? Yes, 6 o'clock, 5.45 airtime. And then tomorrow, is it 1 o'clock or 2? Uh, double check. I think it's at 1. I think it's the same time as the softball game, but I'll have to double check. Okay, and softball teams start tonight, right? No, they start no, no, to- Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That's right. Yeah, Saturday, Sunday, Monday this weekend. All right. So, guys, do you know any friends of yours who are, uh, who went to the uh, game today to saw you know, Greenville? I know some people on Twitter went. Uh, I don't know anyone personally, but uh, a couple of people have been there. There's, there was a somewhat small crowd in this game. I expect now that Auburn has won a game, I think some people are waiting to see what Auburn will do in the first two games uh, to go down there. But I think you'll you'll have a small-ish crowd today, probably a bigger one for tomorrow's game or Sunday's game, and then next week if Auburn does advance, you'll see a lot more Auburn people in the crowd. Oh, I'm surprised to hear that. Is that Brent? Yes, sir. Yeah, because uh, I read from Mark Murphy uh, during the game. He said there was a big, a large turnout of Auburn crowd, uh, of Auburn people there. There was, there was. It's just a very big arena, and it was not entirely filled. Do you ever know what the, these ticks are going for? Uh, a lot. I don't have a number in front of me, but it's a big number. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. All right, hey guys, I appreciate you very much uh, taking the time to, as always, to give me the, the time that I probably uh, uh, am in, in uh, hot water or, or in debt to you. So thanks for uh, letting me ramble some more today. Uh, I'm just finally glad to see uh, the team that I knew, you know, was there, but just had not been executing it, and then today they finally did it. So with that, guys, I hope you have as relaxing uh, afternoon that I've had, uh, and uh, hopefully it continues to be relaxing come uh, Sunday as well. So until Monday, guys, have a safe, relaxing evening, and War Eagle always. Appreciate that call, Steve. That is retired Ward MC there on our Auburn Bank phone line. Yes, uh, Auburn defeating Jacksonville State 80-61 to today, and just going final, Brant was watching it, I believe. It got crazy at yeah. the end. USC tied it up with, what, 20-something seconds left? Yeah, they were down by seven and scored six points in eight seconds. Uh, made it a one-point game. Miami went down, uh, made one free throw of two, so two-point game. Uh, USC went down and tied the game with about... 10 seconds left, and then Miami drove to the basket and got a foul called with three seconds, made both. Was it a foul? I think so. I think it was the right call. And then uh, USC tried a half-court three, banked it off the backboard, and it it just fell off the front of the rim. It was was very, very close to going in. But a hectic finish, and Miami moves on. So Auburn will play Miami. And again, Miami likes to play fast. They like to play a lot like Auburn does. So it should be a very hectic game uh, played on Sunday. So it'll be a 2-10 matchup on Sunday, as Brant just said, Auburn and Miami. Uh, survive in advance. That's all you have to do. Yep. You don't even have to play your best game. If you score more points than the other team, it sounds elementary, but that's all you have to do. So uh, Auburn 
while they had a easy time of it, relatively speaking, today against JSU, especially in the final 23-24 minutes. Uh, if Auburn gets scared by Miami and wins by a point, good enough. You'll take it. Good enough. You go on to the Sweet 16. So Auburn and Miami on Sunday, time to be determined. Uh, if we find out, which I doubt in the next hour and a half, we'll pass along the time. But, again, as we just told Steve, I believe we will probably not know to the conclusion of play tonight. Let's go ahead and take what will be our final break of hour number two. When we come back, we'll talk uh, some NFL as we wait for some more games to go final here in the NCAA tournament. Big news today out of Houston slash Cleveland. So we'll talk about that and more Uh. next. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Friday edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. We hope no one was struck by thunder after a morning full of thunderstorms in the Auburn Opelika area. Struck by thunder. Yeah. Not lightning? Well, I was going with the song title. Thunderstruck. I know. But thunder is just a sound. I know. I'm very aware. I know where it is. It's going off the song. I know, idiot. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, moving on with this Friday afternoon show. Ryan Brandt and Brooks with you here. And last segment of the second hour. Want to change up just a little bit uh, as we continue to monitor the NCAA tournament and uh, talk about the big news in the NFL today. Deshaun Watson rerouting his uh, arrival city and deciding to go back on something he said a couple of days ago after he eliminated the Cleveland Browns from contention. He is now going to the Cleveland Browns on a trade, uh, waiving his no-trade clause. It looked like the finalists were Atlanta and New Orleans, and now Atlanta and New Orleans uh, back to the drawing board, I guess, although Atlanta still has Matt Ryan. Uh, looks like New Orleans might move forward with Jameis Winston. But $230 million guaranteed to Deshaun Watson. By far the most guaranteed money on a single contract in NFL history. Aaron Rodgers just set that record uh, days ago at 150.7, who had just beaten out Josh Allen, who had just beaten out Patrick Mahomes, who had beaten out Dak Prescott. (laughs) So maybe not in that chronological order, but Rodgers at 150.7 guaranteed on that new deal. Josh Allen has $150 million guaranteed to him. Patrick Mahomes with that insanely long and lucrative contract, actually of, I say only, of the some $400 million in that contract, only 141.5 guaranteed. And then Dak Prescott had a deal 
guaranteed of $126 million. So Deshaun Watson uh, surpassing those figures by quite a deal. Um, what do you think of this for the Browns? I mean, I know we're talking about the teams as well that, that uh, missed out here, and I don't know if the Texans are worth entertaining a conversation about. So with the Browns, I mean, this is a team that went to the postseason two years ago, won a playoff game against Pittsburgh. Did not return to the postseason this year. Had an injured Baker Mayfield after, you know, people forget Mayfield actually got off to a good start this year before uh, getting that shoulder injury, then just went straight in the tank after that. And you can't blame him if you can't turn their shoulders the way you want to as a quarterback. But nevertheless, some doubts about his future. Um, and, and so the Browns go and acquire who before of all this legal trouble, was a top five or six quarterback in the NFL. You look at his numbers on a terrible Houston team in his last full season, and they were competitive with anyone in the league. It's just simply the team was not good. So uh, what do you think of this deal for Cleveland? Where do you rank them maybe in the hierarchy of the AFC with this trade? I think they certainly get better. As much as I, I like Baker Mayfield, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a better quarterback than a lot of people give him credit for. But Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in the league when fully healthy, and the off-field stuff is not keeping him from from playing. Um, I think it makes Cleveland. I don't know if I consider them a contender because that division is going to be so insane, and the AFC is going to be really insane this year. I think there are teams that are better, but I think they put themselves kind of on uh, maybe. The, the second tier of teams, guys that aren't going to be favorites, but teams that can get hot at the right time and make a playoff run. So I, I think that certainly it elevates Cleveland for sure. I think, you know, you look at it, it it's just one, it's just a saga of what whatever's happening in Cleveland because you, you a couple few years ago, you get that roster, everyone's already pencils them in, oh, they're Super Bowl contenders and they, they don't make it. And then you, you do get to the playoffs the next year and you you win a game, but then you don't go any further than that. And then this year, you well, they're playoff contenders, but then Baker Mayfield gets hurt. You trade OBJ. And now you, you know, coming into this, this whole uh, fiasco, uh, there was, you know, talk that Cleveland may be looking somewhere else. And then Deshaun Watson said, no, I don't want to come to Cleveland. And then Cleveland was like, well, all right, fine. And then uh, Baker Mayfield said, hey, I want it yesterday. Literally, it came, news came out yesterday. Baker Mayfield said, I don't want or I, w- I would like a trade. And, and Cleveland said, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. And then Which today, is hilarious. And then 24 hours later, Deshaun Watson says, hey, actually, I'm gonna come, I want to come play for you guys. And they're like, all right. Baker, you still want to trade? And Baker says, yeah. And uh, Baker said he wants to go to the the Colts, so we'll see what happens with any sort of trade there uh, with Baker Mayfield. But I I think that this – the AFC – I think you see that there is a a literal arms race going on in the AFC West right now. That that division is going to be wild for the next few years. And I think think Cleveland saw their opportunity – Obviously, if you you've got a Deshaun Watson that wants to come, it, it hasn't worked out with Baker Mayfield. Now, like we said, he's been hurt a little bit, but you've had this this great roster every every year for the past few years. We've talked about how great a roster this Cleveland Browns team is, and they can't do anything with it. And so, Cleveland, you know, at some point you've got to make some sort of changes here. You moved uh, OBJ. You brought in Amari Cooper earlier in the or just like a week ago. Jarvis Landry is leaving. 
more than likely. That was only a week ago. Yeah. Wasn't it? yeah. And so you, you're you're moving some things around. So you say we got a chance to get Deshaun Watson. Let's bring him in. If Cleveland can't win, I, I know this is you know we've we've said this. If Cleveland can't win with Deshaun Watson in this roster going forward. I don't know what else they can do as a franchise. It's just it, they're snake bit for sure. It's it's insane what they've been able to what they've been able to build up. I I, I would I would take Desha- if I was a Cleveland Brown fan, I would take Deshaun Watson. I, I'd be fine with it. I think it, it definitely. And you look at your own division. You know, I said the arms race in the AFC because you're competing against those AFC West teams for for a, uh, a wild card spot. But then you also look at in your state. You've got a guy that come, came in, Joe Burrow, in two years, got that team to a Super Bowl. Two years it took him to get them to a Super Bowl with a terrible offensive line. And Baker Mayfield and this, this Cleveland Browns team has had a phenomenal roster, and they have not been able to you know, sniff the, the, champ, the AFC championship game yet. And so I, something had to be done. Some, some move had to be made. I think this is, this is setting up for a, a wild season in the AFC because you're going to have Lamar Jackson coming back in that AFC North. You've got Mitchell Trubisky now at the at the the Steelers, which Trubisky's not a great quarterback, but I think he's a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger was this in the past couple years. Ben Roethlisberger was a statue that couldn't, you know, stay healthy. So I think that you've got th- four teams in that AFC North that potentially can compete for playoff spots this year, which is f- wild. Yeah, the the AFC is quite good. Um I'm going through the teams and just internally right now of playoff contenders. I'm not saying Super Bowl contenders, just merely teams that will be in a vacuum good enough to go to the playoffs. Um, Every team in the AFC West, Kansas City, Las Vegas, L.A., Denver. um, Denver was the only team to go below 500 uh, in that division last year, and all they did was add Russell Wilson. The AFC North, every single team. Because the two teams that did not go to the playoffs, Cleveland and Baltimore, Cleveland just added Deshaun Watson, and Baltimore had Lamar Jackson out really most of the second half of the season. Uh, completely changed. Baltimore was in position for the one seed when Lamar Jackson went out, and they ended up missing the playoffs because he missed six or seven games as opposed to one or two. AFC East, I would say not only Buffalo and New England, I would still throw Miami in there. They still at 9-8 and eight last year with average to below average quarterback play. They're still a playoff contender, and no way would I expect them to make a Super Bowl caliber playoff push. But are you saying can the Miami Dolphins make the playoffs? I would say I wouldn't rule them out. The Jets, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> and then the AFC South, Tennessee playoff contender, Indy, yeah. If they would, get Baker would, Mayfield, will still hang in there. Got to see what the quarterback is. Yeah, but Jonathan Taylor's. A, uh, a great piece of the puzzle. They went nine and eight with once again. You got to look at it like Miami. I guess, I guess the way of looking at it is just the same way. Miami went nine and eight. Was their quarterback play good for the most part? No. Indianapolis nine and eight last year was their quarterback play good for the most part? No. And so it's not irrational to think those two teams can at least do nine and eight again this year. And then Houston and Jacksonville. Jacksonville pillow fight of the AFC I do whatever you want there but <laughs> look, I'll, I'm not I'm not going to go so far as to say Jackson's a playoff team but they put together some pieces in free agency so far that can make them a little bit better this year they have signed people uh, but I I am very scared about Trevor Lawrence's development right now. true 
I'm very concerned about Lawrence. It was a bad first year. They've already got a coaching staff turnover there. I'm not ready to say playoff contender there. Hopefully one day Jacksonville's just a horribly run franchise and it's it's unbelievable that they are not in fact the only horribly run franchise in that division, but Houston is right there trying to smack them in the face for that title all the time. So to finish all that up, thirteen of the sixteen AFC teams, I believe, are playoff contenders. So really I asked you uh, both a question that is almost impossible to answer because sifting through 13 playoff caliber teams at this rate when we still have some more roster adjustments to make but I mean we know the main piece is at this point there's not a lot of A-list free agents out there anymore so guys they can help you and add to the equation but really there are 13 competent teams going into the draft going into the start of next season in the AFC and that is a lot of fun Someone's going to be viciously disappointing because there are not 13 playoff spots for the AFC. Uh, But that will be just an unbelievable thing to watch. And we'll continue to have updates about NFL draft, more free agency, and that sort of thing as we go through the spring and the summer. That'll do it for our number two on the show. We'll go back and, and talk more about the NCAA tournament as games get closer to finishing and the next wave of games gets closer to beginning. That updates on that and more next as sports call continues after this timeout two hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call taking off right now. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry. As we roll along, continuing to update everyone on what's going on in the NCAA tournament. It's that time of year. It's March Madness, and it's uh, it's been quite enjoyable thus far. And I think Auburn fans are going to continue to enjoy what's happening with Alabama in the West region. First round game against 11 seed Notre Dame winners against Rutgers. In the first four in double OT, Notre Dame with a 61-47 to lead with just over eight minutes to go. And that one is uh, Bama's music on the dance floor is starting to lower as uh, they trail by 14 right there. But uh, Ryan Branton Brooks with you here. Again, J.J. not here today as he will be doing the SEC Network Plus broadcast of Auburn and number one Ole Miss. I think it's about time we it, it, he earns the designation friend of the program for this year because it's, it's been a minute since he's been on for a consistent amount of time. For a full week? Yeah. 
I think we it's time for yeah. the demotion. It's that time of year where it's he the, it's yeah. the demotion. Friend of the program again. Friend of the program, JJ Jackson. What was it that got him back out of friend of the program status? You you awarded him. He was back, back for a while. Uh huh. He, he took back. He was back yeah. For a while? yeah. He he. We I think it's when once you get out of like this the the softball of baseball season. So may, he may not be back until May. You know. Yeah. Or June. Hopefully June. You get get a long run for Auburn softball, but. You, you get a consistent a week of consistency. You can start working your way back out of it. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think he will be quite busy. The sovereign softball team. Speaking of, twenty four and one on the season, swept Texas A and M last weekend. Got South Carolina. Uh, some pretty upset that Auburn softball not moving up more in the polls. They still, despite their twenty four and one overall record, uh, depending on the poll, between seventeenth and twentieth. Uh, that 17th is the D1 softball rankings. Uh, they're 19th in the USA Today coaches poll, and then they're 20th in the USA softball and softball America poll. So only moving up a spot or two after a SEC sweep. I know disappointed some, but but Mickey Dean and his club doing a good job this season. And then again, Auburn baseball uh, with a tall task against number one Ole Miss. But I, I did not realize until we started doing the show today I knew the final score from last night, obviously, but five errors for the Tigers. Um, not going to go well in any SEC series, but especially not against uh, first-ranked Ole Miss. And it's going to be a tough SEC schedule for Auburn. We know how good this conference is. We uh, try not to beat it with a dead horse, but uh, it really is very good in the batted ball sports. It is very good in softball. There are a lot of teams that are capable of going to OKC and going to the Women's College World Series and then, of course, in college baseball, a lot of teams capable of going to Omaha and in the SEC, we had four or five teams ranked in the top eight or nine to start the season. I know Mississippi State's been pretty disappointing so far, but some teams have, have risen in those polls and uh, it really is a, a tough slate to go two months of SEC play and it kind of sucks, honestly, when uh, you have the midweek games canceled like we had this week. Both Auburn softball and Auburn baseball lost their midweek games as there was inclement weather Tuesday and into Wednesday. And that's always really frustrating because I think teams value an opportunity to kind of just relax and, and get another game under your belt, try and rebuild some confidence. Not that you always need it. Auburn softball doesn't need it right now at 24-1. and They've been uh, rolling merrily along. But sometimes just to get a reset, because you can get in the fog of some really tough opponents in SEC play and, and get can get stuck in a, in a rut where you're playing a bunch of teams that are going to host regionals, host super regionals, and have all these tough teams. And, and, and obviously we've seen this Auburn baseball team, going back to them, have some nice series in, in the non-conference, but unfortunately losing that series to MTSU, Brooks, I would say right at the wrong time for this team as they get set for such a, a tough SEC schedule. Yeah, I mean, you, you came into that series, and you lost MTSU two out of three. It was a little bit of a weird schedule because you weren't expecting to play a doubleheader on Sunday, but that's how it happened. You had the freeze warning this past weekend. You did win that game that would have been Saturday, uh, but you did you had some arms that went down a little bit. Uh, don't know completely the status on everybody there, but... Uh, you know, I, I think that you come into this SEC series, I, like we said yesterday, or on the show yesterday, and we've talked in the office, I think if you take one from Ole Miss, I think you, you consider it a mild success over the weekend because you, it's the number one team in the country. 
and it's it's a team that can hit the ball. We saw it last night. Uh, we we said that the thing about the um, about the the series was can Ole Miss's pitching keep up because we know both of these teams can score. And Auburn still put up a few runs. They put up six runs last night, which is you know a pretty decent clip for for college baseball and the SEC. But you had some untimely defensive plays. You had some errors that gave gave up a lot more runs than you than you scored for Auburn and Ole Miss last night. I think tonight you need a bounce back game. I think Trace Bright is going tonight. I, don't quote me on that, but I think he uh, he's going. Let me see. See if I can pull up the uh, the uh, the starting lineups if they've posted those yet. Um, Actually, it's Hayden Mullins going tonight for uh, for Auburn. So they are they're holding Trace Bright to tomorrow. Uh, but Hayden Mullins, last time he threw, I think it was the Sunday game versus Yale. Was the last time he threw? He is uh, one and one on the air, four ninety one ERA, seven and a third innings pitched. He's he's a he's a decent starter. I, I I do like him. I think tonight, if you're Auburn, you would like to bounce back and you'd like to get a a win tonight. Don't know, you know what what that looks like. Um, you you still you're still going up against a, a pretty good pitcher in Ole Miss. They're uh, they're sending out Derek uh, Derek Diamond tonight, who's three and zero on the year with three eighty six ERA, twenty two strikeouts so far this year, uh, only giving up fourteen hits on 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 the year, and eighteen and two thirds innings pitched. Um, I, I think for this baseball Auburn baseball, like I said, still you would like to get one out of three from this series against against Ole Miss. I think it'd be great if you could win the next two. You could win today and tomorrow, but you you see what Ole Miss is able to do uh, with the bats last night, and I'll tell you what, it's going to be a if Auburn does not give up those defensive plays with the errors, if you don't let them score. Um, some of those unearned runs. I think you're still very much in that baseball game last night. It's the unearned runs last night that killed the Tigers in that game. You go forward. I think tonight you you step up. You you got to answer. You put if, as they said on the broadcast last night. It's not like it's football where you you lose a game and you have to sit on it for a week until you you play the next game. You're back the very next night to to play. And I think with Auburn, you you got knocked in the mouth last night, and now you got to step up. And if you're going to have success going into the rest of SEC play, because as we said yesterday, we were talking yesterday, your next series is at Texas A&M, which is not the hardest of competition right now. They're, I don't think they're ranked. Um, but it's still, you're going on the road in the SEC. It's a very difficult place. And anywhere is a very difficult place to play in the SEC. But you're going on the road in the SEC, which is difficult in, in, in general. And if you want to take go into that series feeling good i think that you've got to have a bounce back game tonight even if you don't win it tonight i think you have to play a lot better you need to get some of those uh errors out of your system and come play a really really clean game and then come back and finish strong in the series tomorrow with trace bright going for the tigers and again Really, I think you just need to win one if you're Auburn. I, I you really love to win win three, and I know a lot of you know Auburn fans are gonna be like, no, you got to win, you know, win everything. You got the number one team in the country here. They are playing phenomenal baseball. They're gonna continue to play phenomenal baseball. 
But if you can win one of these next two, I think you feel really good heading into that Texas A&M series next week. Yeah, I agree. I feel like Auburn baseball is kind of in a rebuilding phase right now after what was a tough last year. You you didn't have what you needed to last year. You were decimated by injuries, and now you've lost a couple of guys, and you're still trying to come back from, from what was a rough year. And I think you're right, getting one out of three, uh, salvaging a win from the number one team in the country before you head into that A&M series is a confidence builder. Even if, it, yes, taking two out of three would be awesome, but you're just not in that place right now. But moving forward for this season specifically, I think if you take one of the next three, I think Brooks is right. Auburn baseball has, uh, or I guess I should start with the SEC, has eight ranked teams in the D1 baseball top 25 this last poll as of March 13th, so obviously prior to everything that went on this week. Ole Miss was number one, Arkansas three, Vanderbilt four, Tennessee has had a really good season. They're 15 and one. They started in the mid teens. They are now up to seventh in the country. Florida is ninth. LSU is 13th. Georgia is 20th. Mississippi State has had a disappointing start to the year. They were, they were preseason top three, they are down to 23rd. Auburn plays six of the eight teams I just named. Uh, so six of their series, you know, you play 30 baseball games in conference play. That means 10 series of three. Six of those 10 series against ranked opponents. The two ranked teams they don't play are number nine, Florida, and they do not play number 20, Georgia. Everyone else is ranked, uh, or, or all those other ranked SEC teams as of now, Auburn plays. Uh, and just very tough series. So, Brooks, you mentioned that Texas A&M series. It is still tough because it's against a team that might ultimately make a run at the NCAA tournament out of the SEC, as most teams do, and it is on the road. But if you want Auburn to have a realistic chance of, of making the NCAA tournament, you got to find two out of three in that series because there's so many teams that it's just going. you're going to feel great to get one in. Like, I think Auburn right now, I tell you, they would be pleased with one in this Ole Miss series, despite it being at home. Ole Miss is coming in as the number one team in the country. When you play a team like Tennessee, who's 15-1 and one in the season, they got one loss right now, you're going to feel good to just get one. So, right now, this Auburn baseball team is not playing that poorly, but they're now entering the part of the schedule that everyone dreads if you're not got a number beside your name it's time to play teams that are significantly better than what you have played Uh, i think it's good that auburn got that win against texas tech early in the season i think it's good they scored six runs last night they had a weak first weekend of the season as far as runs were concerned but nevertheless uh, you don't want defense to start becoming an issue because that's not really something that we've talked much about in recent years the defense has been pretty steady but one of the caveats there with replacing so many players in your lineup is, yeah, you're replacing the, those bats. You're replacing those guys that you felt really comfortable with in your lineup from the hitting perspective, but you also replace their gloves. And when you've had really good defenses for years, you then have to have new guys step in and play that same great defense. And uh, don't want to start talking about games where you have five errors within those games. So we will continue to monitor Auburn baseball. As I said, number one Ole Miss in town. Two more games, two more chances to see them tonight at 6 o'clock, first pitch at Plainsman Park, and then again tomorrow afternoon uh, getting the first pitch time there, uh, confirming that from earlier. Uh, Auburn will take on Ole Miss tomorrow at 2 p.m. start. 1 p.m. start for softball at Jane B. Moore Field. 2 p.m. start for baseball 
at Plainsman Park. Going to go ahead and take our first time out of hour number three. A little bit later, we will have a what to watch for over the weekend. Spoiler alert, it's the NCAA tournament. Uh, but uh, we'll talk more about those tournaments coming up and update you once again on the scores and the final game set to go in the round of 64 later tonight. This is Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Hour number three underway. Ryan Brooks and Brant with you here on this Friday afternoon. Counting you down to more NCAA tournament action. Counting you down to Auburn baseball and our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Brooks Childress will have to attend to that matter. So this will be his final segment of the program today, I do believe. And so we'll make it a good one. How's that sound, Brooks? All right. So uh, It's a real shame. We like Brooks. We do. Do you just want to lead the way this segment, Brooks? You yeah, you want to talk PGA Tour? In other news, um, the Valspar Championships this weekend. The Florida Swing continues. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll sit back from my microphone and let y'all have this. You know, if this was players, I would definitely engage you on a on a uh, meaningful discussion. But the Valspar, you know, it's okay. I'll tell you it's what, not a big one. I don't know. It, it's never. You know, it. it the, there was no postponement or anything, so nothing happened. But just like the fact that the Players Championship was last weekend. When in the middle of all the conference tournament stuff and Selection Sunday and all that, it kind of got lost in the shuffle, didn't it? Well, I, I tell you what, it did, but it, this is very generalized and it might be a little lazy, but I still think it's in general true. Tiger Woods is not in the tournament. It just doesn't hold yeah. the same weight. And, and I know that the Players' Championship is the biggest non-major championship. There is no disagreeing with that. And I personally love TPC Sawgrass. It's it's a public course that I hope to play at one day in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. But, uh, you know, when you just don't have that name recognition on that leaderboard. And, and to be fair, look, if, ty, if, if you'd had McElroy up there or Spieth or something like that, you would have had more eyeballs eyeballs on it too. The leaderboard did not really pan out for who was in the tournament, but we have known that no one in their respective sport moves the needle more than Tiger Woods moves the game of golf. And I think McElroy was asked about that before the tournament and, and gave a great answer about how he's enabled those in on the tour to make more money from endorsements for there to be more people involved in the sport of golf because of someone like Tiger Woods, more people trying to play the game of golf because of Tiger Woods. And so I, I know that, yeah, you're right, the players did not get as much attention as I feel like it does sometimes. It also didn't help that it rained. 
You know, but they yeah. didn't finish till Monday, which you would have thought maybe it would single it out more because it's on Monday. But again, I, I'll be honest, I watched a lot of it. Um, what was it? Um, Saturday when they were getting round two going. Yeah. I forgot all about it Monday. I did not even think about it for a second. Also at that, well, I, I, you would think that it would get a little more singled out because it's on Monday and people would be like, you know, go back to work and say, oh, the, the players is on. Let me watch this while I'm sitting at work. But at that point, you know, what happened the day before? We got the brackets released, and everyone starts talking about March Madness, and so it kind of gets you—you kind of get that. And that's still lost in the shuffle on Monday because everyone's already, you know, still reacting to uh, March Madness that's happened the next day. You're getting ready for the first four to start the next day on on Tuesday, and so it's man, it, it was just. I looked. I I was like you. I was sitting on Monday, and I, I said the players is happening right now, and I just still didn't go to it. I'm like, eh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so uh, game of golf, uh, Masters coming up in a little less than a month. Don't think Tiger's going to play in that either. Um, just going to be a miracle the first time he comes back on tour, honestly, with, with how bad his leg was damaged after that car accident. We have seen him hit some golf shots in the, that uh, father-son tournament back at the end of last year with, with his son Charlie, and that was good to see. But I think his stability and stamina – of walking a 7,000-yard golf course is, is the last thing to come there uh, with trying to get his knee in shape to play. So back to the NCAA tournament here for a few moments. Uh, down the 215 to go. Notre Dame 70, Alabama 58. Looks like the tide uh, will come crashing down in round number one. Again, uh, another one of those situations where it's major conference on major conference. I don't know how massive the upset is uh, in a 6-11 game there because Notre Dame um, obviously playing in the ACC and uh, they had beaten Kentucky earlier this year. Not a huge upset with the way Alabama been playing and lost three in a row coming in as well, but still seed-wise, kind of like the Michigan-Colorado State game uh, to a degree yesterday, 6-11, uh, same type of thing there. Curious guys of the teams that have advanced so far it could be today or tomorrow beside or today or yesterday excuse me um, besides Auburn what team that is in a favorable seed position so I'm not going to go like an upset minded team like St Peter or something like that but what team in a pretty good seed position were you impressed by do you feel like it is off to a good start on their hopes to make a deep run you know I think the obvious answer is Gonzaga. Gonzaga, whichever one, I never know. But uh, I think they're the obvious answer. I'm trying to think of like some other one seeds and two seeds that Duke uh, has Duke played yet? They play tonight, right? Yep, yeah, they hour. play tonight. Um, honestly, I've watched so much basketball, I cannot remember all the teams that played. But the I'm we had a lot of blowouts with those super high low seeds, except for um, St. Peter's beating Kentucky. Every other high seed looked pretty competent uh and they they really took care of business so i think that any of those I, i've been saying it all along i think there are 10 teams that can 10 or so teams that can seriously challenge for a national championship uh all of those teams are still playing except for kentucky and i i think that they'll win the next in the next round and probably make up most of the sweet 16 and it, as like i've i've always said once you get to the sweet 16 Every team there has a chance to win the national championship. It becomes the, the NCAA tournament is a loser factory. Um, it, all but there are sixty-three losers and one winner, right? And once you get to the sixteen teams that are left, 
every single one of those has a chance to go on the run. That, that's just how the tournament works out. It becomes even more of a crapshoot once you get past the first two rounds. So with, with all that in mind, I think the high seeds are the high seeds for a reason, and I think they'll continue to, to play at that high level. What are we uh, deeming as high seeds? Uh, top four. Four, four, yeah. four okay. and better. Um, at, if, if we're going the top four seeds from yesterday's action, I I didn't was not impressed by Gonzaga. I don't know, and it, I hope that you know I I picked Gonzaga. I I kind of if Auburn doesn't win, I kind of want Mark Few to finally get that one national title so that people can finally give uh, Gonzaga a little bit more respect. I know they don't they don't play in a great conference, but they go out of their way to schedule the top teams in the country outside of the conference play because they know they don't play in a great conference. Uh, I I think that. They, they, they continue to recruit at a high level. But that concerned me yesterday was what Gonzaga did against Georgia State. Te- uh, not Texas. Uh, Kansas looked impressive in their one seed. Baylor looked very impressive in their in their matchup yesterday. Baylor's a team that I think a lot of people said that could get upset early. And you still got to go play a very uh, what a, a North Carolina team that looked really – that's why I was asking who we would consider a, a top seed because if, if we were going like top eight or something, uh, North Carolina looked dang good impressive yesterday against Marquette. And those were supposed to be two teams that were very like closely matched up. And North Carolina took them to the woodshed early and often – uh, in yesterday's matchup, Tennessee, I think Tennessee looked really good yesterday. Even though they were playing Ooh, a 14 yeah. seed Longwood, they looked really good yesterday. And then today, I think Villanova, uh, I think they they were impressive. Um, out obviously or outside of Auburn, um, no other one seeds has any other one seed played today. Uh, Arizona plays later today. Um, Gonzaga played. We had three one seeds play yesterday. That just dawned on me. Uh, yeah, everyone else is. It's it's kind of been what you would think. Uh, Texas Tech looked really good. Um, I, I think that their defense continues to be one of the best in the country. Uh, but yeah, the two teams that I think are the the biggest and ma- made the biggest positive impression on me yesterday going forward in the tournament: Tennessee by far, and then I'll, I'll make the exception. I think North Carolina. I think North Carolina can. I think a lot of people had them as a dark horse to get to the Final Four out of that bracket because of. Uh, their doubts about Baylor. I st- I think after yesterday, I think that they they're more than a dark horse. I think that they can make a, r- a deep run of this tournament. Brooks, you almost named all the top seeds there. I thought we were just going to go ahead and <laughs> get through them all. Um, yeah, I think my storyline was all the three seeds because with one sixteens, there's a certain level of expectation that you know, unless you're Virginia, you should be able to have a very productive and, and easy way of things. Um, you know, Gonzaga yesterday did uh, struggle, relatively speaking, with Georgia State. I know the final score made it seem like it wasn't, but but Georgia State did lead that game at one point in the second half, which is far better than most 16s do against ones. You saw Texas Southern just get creamed by Kansas last night, for example. But the three seeds to me that have played, the only three seed that's not yet played is, is of course, in Auburn's region, and that's Wisconsin. That's later tonight. Um all three three seeds really took care of business. So it started with, as you said, Brooks, Tennessee against Longwood. Tennessee carried over all the momentum that they garnered from the SEC tournament, which was odd because Iowa, all the momentum they garnered from the Big Ten, they parlayed that into a nice first-round exit, and they're out of the NCAA tournament. Um, but Tennessee held on to that and, and shot the ball really well against Longwood. And then the two three seeds that I've already played today, Texas Tech, who a lot of people feel – 
can can get to the Final Four. Uh, that that bracket with Gonzaga, Duke, and Texas Tech that's really a doozy of a one two three combination. That that's a really solid region. Uh, Texas Tech just smoked Montana State today. Scored ninety seven points, beat them ninety seven sixty two. And then the other three seed today, Purdue against Yale. Um, Purdue with their size, uh, they shot the ball pretty well from what I saw. And Yale had a few nice moments early, but ultimately that game was over by early in the second half. So I think the three seeds got off to really good starts today. And when you say 10, 11 teams have chances to win the national championship, that means all the ones, maybe all the twos, and then two or three of the threes. And I think when you're looking at Texas Tech, you're looking at Purdue, and you're looking at uh, Tennessee. I think all those teams so far check that box on can they win a national championship. So I think it was interesting to see those those three seeds uh, get off to, to great starts. Uh, one more for you, Brooks, before we let you go um, and, uh, and move on uh, from the program this week. Um, any Cinderella team. So mainly we're just talking about, I guess, yesterday's stuff because we really don't have a, a, a huge upset today. So I guess of yesterday's upsets, what team do you feel uh, has the best chance of reaching the Sweet 16? So I guess we're really kind of talking about um, Richmond, New Mexico State, uh, and St. Peter's mainly because I know Murray State's a small conference school, but they are a seven seed. So between St. Peter's, Richmond, and New Mexico State, uh, true Cinderella's there. Uh, who do you think's got the best shot at the Sweet 16? Can we consider Michigan a Cinderella? They're an 11 seed. No, we may not. <laughs> um, I think right now, if you look at those three teams, I think the team that has the best chance of making the Sweet 16, I would go Richmond right now. I, I don't. I think Arkansas. You, there were times that they looked a little suspect last night against uh, Vermont, but they ended up pulling away, and uh, uh, I think they were got things. They're they're getting some things worked out right now, but I think Arkansas can beat New Mexico State fairly easily. St. Peter's, I really, you know, it was a great win against Kentucky, but. This Murray State team is really good. They won 31 games for a reason this year. Um, and I think that you're coming off that emotional win against uh, Kentucky. Uh, I think that it, it that would, that run comes to an end very quickly. Richmond, I think, you went up against a, a team in Iowa that a lot of people had go, could be a, a Final Four team. Uh, a lot of people talked about their defense, and they Richmond said, you know what, we're going to come in and play our brand of basketball. They came in, and they won it. And now you're going up against a four-seed Providence who kind of faltered at the end of this year. We talked a, a few weeks ago, we talked about how Providence was kind of this sneaky good team, and then they kind of stumbled a bit right down at the end of the uh, conference play, and then they didn't make it to the uh, the – Big East Final Four, or Big East Final Four, the Big East Championship game. They they faltered in the in the Big East tournament. I think Richmond's got the best chance here to make it to the Sweet Sixteen. I, I they're you know that they're only what a three point underdog to Providence. I, I just think that's the most winnable game of the of these other three C or these three teams. Yeah, I agree. Uh, same points. Give me the Spiders. I I don't know if they'll win, but. There's nothing about Providence that is super impressive to me in the very little that I've watched them. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're great. I think Provident, I think uh, Richmond is in a similar vein. Like you said, Brooks, the line is only three. Uh, give me the Spiders as a, a really good chance to make a run here. Yeah, I, I think that it speaks more to what Richmond is uh, than maybe what the teams uh, that they're playing are not because conventional wisdom would try and say to you that St. Peter's would have the best opportunity to go to Sweet 16 because of who they're playing. I mean, Murray State yeah. is not 
uh, a, a household a powerhouse um, although they have certainly had their March moments I mean they've had multiple teams that have done some uh, bracket busting in March but you would maybe say well Murray State might be the weakest of the teams that those Cinderella's play therefore St. Peter's might have the best chance but there were just some crazy numbers from that St. Peter's and Kentucky game that basically there's a metric that predicts how a game should go based off the quality of shots taken. I don't know if either one of you saw this. The shot quality metric, and Justin Ferguson keeps up with this a lot. If you go to his Twitter, you'll find what I'm talking about. Based off the shots that were taken in that game, Kentucky had a 98% chance to win the game. The predicted score was a 20-point Kentucky victory based off shot quality. And so if you're telling me that kind of number, it doesn't feel like St. Peter's is going to once again have another unbelievable offensive outing because this this team offensively all year long was not well rated even uh, for a team in the in the MAC. I think they're in the MAC, right? M A A C or yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, so even for that, not well rated all offensively. So I, I don't think they're it. You talk about Arkansas, New Mexico State. New Mexico State tried to give that game away. Uh, Thursday night when they played UConn. They they had that game. They had a double-digit lead. And on one hand, you say, well, they're good enough to get out to a double-digit lead. But also, they kept having to make plays. And, and I forget his name. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up again. But they had one player go for like 35 points in that game. And that kind of performance that uh, it, it's uh, Teddy Allen had 37 for them. If you need that much out of one guy... It tells me you're very one-reliant, and that's great for an upset. We talk about having a great guard is a key indicator for one upset, but you need others to help you out if you, if you want legs in the NCAA tournament. That's what happened with Oral Roberts. They, they had a 15, beating a 2 last year in Ohio State, but they were able to win another game because along with Mac Aismas, or Max Aismas, one of the country's leading scorers at point guard, Kevin o- Obener, or O'Banner, I don't know exactly how to pronounce that, who's now transferred to Texas Tech, he was also scoring 20 for Oral Roberts, and that's how they were able to get a second victory in, in, in last year's tournament. So I don't know if that's there for New Mexico State, but when I look at Richmond, I consider what they had, had to do to get in this tournament. They had to beat another tournament team in Davidson to win the A-10 tournament and get in, and then you consider that they did beat a team yesterday um, – in Iowa that had been red hot that some people would have thought maybe could be in that 4-5 range that could make a deep run. And so I think Richmond, for the way they are playing, uh, regardless of who they're playing against, I think Richmond is a quality team that can be a force to be reckoned with. Well, Brooks, appreciate uh, being you being on the show today. And uh, I hope you have a great weekend, man. I hope you have a great weekend as well. Sports Call will continue on for one more segment as Brooks has company business to take care of. But Ryan and Brant here will take you the rest of the way for one more segment of what to watch for over the weekend and a nightly TV guide coming up next.
Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. segment of Sports Call today, Tiger 95.9, sportscalloffer.com. Ryan LaVoy and Brent Daughtry with you here as Brooks Childress has departed. Not quite for the weekend. He will be uh, doing some board hopping for us tonight, but uh, has departed the show at least for the weekend. So Ryan mm-hmm. and Brent with you for the last 10 minutes or so. Yeah, going to wind this thing down. Love, love a good Friday edition of Sports Call. It makes me, uh, being on the show on Friday, it just makes me feel like well, this is it. We're yeah. done after this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's still a uh, – just like in uh, school and most jobs are Monday to Friday, but uh, this job in most of the time is Monday to Friday. Obviously, yeah, we have yeah. some weekends that uh, got to be in the office doing various things, doing board hopping and that sort of thing, and part of our Auburn Sports Network responsibilities. But, uh, yeah, no, the Friday show is still a lot of fun and a lot to look forward to over the weekend, uh, which brings us to this part of the program. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. So, Brian, I think safe to say uh, people should be tuned in to the NCAA tournament. There will be a lot of basketball played. There has been a lot of basketball. There will continue to be a lot of basketball. Uh, I'll go ahead and go through Saturday's schedule again. We will not know Sunday's schedule until, I believe, probably the end of play tonight. We do know Auburn will play 10-seeded Miami. We do know it will still be in Greenville, South Carolina, and we pray for Andy Bertram and Sonny Smith that they do not have to deal with internet outages in the arena like they did today. Yeah. Um, but uh, great of them of, of thinking on the fly and, and still delivering the broadcast, first with Brad Law back in the studio, and then, uh, of course, uh, calling in to, to the, uh, the studio to, to continue to announce that. But uh, hopefully they do not run into those problems tomorrow, or excuse me, on Sunday. Tomorrow's action in the NCAA tournament. It'll start off at 11.10 a.m. It's eight-seeded North Carolina off a big whooping of Marquette against one-seeded Baylor. Uh, 1.40, it will be one-seed Kansas, nine-seed Creighton. So we'll see if we have any chaos with those one-seeds. Again, usually at least one one one-seed in the round of 32 gets a big scare, if not goes ahead and goes down. I can think of Kansas losing to a Northern Iowa a few years back. I can think of Villanova losing. I can think of Kentucky losing the UAB closer to 20 years back. And so it does kind of happen. So we'll see if either one of those or the the magic in the round of 32. Uh, Then three-seeded Tennessee against 11-seed Michigan. Uh, Four-seeded Providence versus 12-seed Richmond. That one's at 5-10. Four-seed UCLA, five-seed St. Mary's, who looked surprisingly good against Indiana. Yeah. Uh, seven seed Murray State versus fifteen seed St. Peter's. One of those two teams, Murray State or St. Peter's, will go to the Sweet Sixteen. Love it. That one at six forty-five. Four seed Arkansas against twelve seed New Mexico State. That one at seven forty. And one seed Gonzaga, nine seed Memphis tomorrow. The last game up at eight forty. Uh, what catches your eye out of those eight games, Brent? I'd say you look at Memphis and Gonzaga. 
Uh, Memphis had a very tough start to their season, uh, but Penny Hardaway started talking a lot through the midseason, like, hey, I'm, I'm still learning how to coach, and I do not have all of my players. Just give us time. Well, you give them time. They won big yesterday. Uh, they, they've looked pretty good in the second half of the season. That, that's kind of my pick for an upset watch. If there, I, I, there are a lot of other games that where it's more likely, but I'll be very interested in that game to see if uh, Memphis can pull off the upset. Yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting from the standpoint of Memphis has more talent than your average nine. Because yes. Now, granted, this is a catch-22 because I think it also means they were not well-coached this season either. Also that. Uh, but they had an excellent recruiting class. There were a lot of questions of Penny Hardaway midway through the season of why the team had lost three or four in a row, and I think they were out to like 11-7 and seven or something like that, maybe 9-5. and five. I, I don't know. It was, it was pretty early. Uh, but Not the, the record they should have had. Right. Uh, and so they do get in the tournament, though. Uh, they get in that 8-9 bracket. They looked pretty good in their first-round game. They kind of stalled towards the end, and Boise State started to get back in a little bit because Memphis's offense kind of stopped. But they had, I think, a 38-19 lead at the half, and so that talent was kind of asserting itself. And, and the thing is, it's just going to be how they deal with the bigs of Gonzaga. Yeah. Because Gonzaga's guards are fine. Rasir Bolton is pretty good. Nemhard's pretty good. But their strength is Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. And so Georgia State was hanging around in that game until they all fouled out, until yeah. they all had yeah. a million fouls and, and just finally got overwhelmed down low. Can Memphis present the bodies to keep hanging around, keep having guys they like out there, in the closing stages of that one, uh, a lot of people picking, you know, the potential of Carolina against against Baylor. Yeah, that one's that one's also very interesting. I, I don't sure. I don't love the chances of Creighton against Kansas. They did have a an epic overtime victory where they trailed uh, San Diego State really the whole game of Mountain West, going zero and four in the first round. Tough look for the Mountain West, but um, you know, Creighton didn't, didn't the Big Ten also have a kind of rush showing. Uh, I'd have to go back through each one. Uh, I, I I don't think so off the top of my head because I know Michigan for one uh, one back on Thursday. Uh, Iowa that was a rough loss. Um, Indiana did get smoked, so there's a couple. And I know today Purdue looked good. Ohio State won today against Loyola Chicago. Oh yeah, that one that one was a fun game to watch. That Ohio State Loyola Chicago game. So even though it was kind of in the periphery due to Auburn playing at the same time. So still got Illinois against UT Chattanooga, and that's that's one that's potential upset territory. Iowa State could be on the other end of an upset as they play LSU tonight. We haven't talked about LSU at all, and and that is a game for you tonight. But gosh, I I just. There doesn't feel like a more obvious 11 beating a 6, even though we've had oh, multiple yeah. 11s beating 6 already. Um, what's the save in LSU team? They, I guess they need to enjoy this because this might be <laughs> the program's yeah. last NCAA mm-hmm. tournament for a while, and that's not performance-related. Yeah, you, LSU has been hit with the dreaded lack of institutional control. It does not mean get rid of your coach and you'll be okay. It means there's a pattern of behavior with all of your sporting programs, and we're about to do something to you that will – be not very fun uh, because you have not played with our played within our rules, and, and I think that that needs to come. There, there's been a lot that's been happening at LSU lately. Uh, Nate Oates did a lot, got away with a lot for a long time, and was fired right before the NCAA tournament. I don't know how a team. Nate will wait. Will wait. Excuse yep. me. Then you said Nate Oates. I did. I did. But um, 
I don't know how LSU without its head coach, knowing that all that's hanging over them, knowing that if they do make a Final Four run or even a national championship run in the unlikely event that they get hot, uh, that banner's not going to hang for very long. That trophy is not going to stay in Baton Rouge. Uh, so I, I don't know how they get up. I think you're right. I don't think there's a more obvious 11 over 6. Uh, and I, I in my bracket, I actually picked LSU to lose this game. Yeah, it, LSU up against it for a number of reasons. Uh, I mean, you also talk about just how their play was inconsistent just in general, but just the off-the-court stuff is is monumentous at the moment. For If, the, for if the there Tigers. ever was a time, you know, you, you try to say, hey, block out the distractions just and just play basketball. Well, that's okay for some things like when you and your girlfriend break up you can handle that when your head coach gets fired right before the ncaa tournament and you've got sanction upon sanction coming down on you very soon it's tough to block that out it it is indeed and then a couple more matchups tonight i know we kind of went forward in time and backtracked to hey well there's games tonight well Uh, there's so much but uh Seven seed Michigan State, ten seed Davidson. There's another Big Ten one. Uh, that one interesting. Davidson twenty seven and six on the season, but losing to those Richmond Spiders in the A ten final, still getting that large bid. One of the most successful Davidson teams we've seen outside of that Steph Curry teams. Uh, so that'll be an interesting one tonight. And then a lot of people interested in the twelve five matchup of, of UAB against Houston. A lot of buzz around Jelly Walker, which I'm very appreciative of nationally <laughs> jelly walker is very good at basketball averaging 20 a game hope he puts on a show in the big stage tonight because you know sometimes it is great as some of these cinderella type teams are and if uab were to go on a run they would also qualify sometimes there's one a year where everyone feels that's the one you pick mm-hmm. and then they let you down that sort of thing and i'm hoping that doesn't happen to uab because i know a lot of people are uh, on the blazers bandwagon tonight so hopefully hopefully uab uh, can uh, do what they've done a number of times. This team, uh, this UAB program has won a lot of first round matchups that people didn't anticipate they did. I, I skipped class. Sorry, Mom. Um, <laughs> the last time they were in the NCAA tournament uh, when they played three-seeded Iowa State, and of course they were able to, to win that one and advance to round 32. So we'll see what the Blazers of UAB can do uh, tonight, 8-20 against five-seed Houston. So NCAA tournament, hot and heavy, a lot going on. A uh, lot to watch, and uh, we've already had a few big upsets, so even if we don't get any big ones tonight, we'll still have something tomorrow. That's why we kind of went through the Saturday games, some teams that could be looking to make a, a true Cinderella run. Just about a minute and a half left in the show, so we know what we do at the end of each show. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide brought to you by Coca-Cola and uh, Brooks Childress in charge of that has done an absolutely wonderful job of reminding you that the NCAA tournament is a thing and it is happening. So 6 o'clock on CBS, one of the games we have not talked about uh, so we didn't want J.J. to get pleasure from it. Duke and Cal State Fullerton <laughs> on CBS. I'd be surprised if the Blue Devils had a scare there, but so would have Kentucky last night. Uh, at 6 o'clock on FS1, Athletes Unlimited, it's women's volleyball action. 6 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus, the aforementioned J.J. Jackson will be calling Auburn, hosting number one Ole Miss in Game 2 of that three-game set. 
615 did talk about that this one just a moment ago on TBS it's LSU and Iowa State in the 611 matchup and then one movie pick if you are listening to a sports program but not interested in one of the biggest sporting events of the year it's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets 6 o'clock on Sci-Fi that's a good one that is a good Harry Potter movie Yes, no shade towards the Harry Potter franchise listen, at all. Listen, I've said it before. Like I, I grew up not loving basketball. I didn't always watch the NCAA tournament, but I still listen to sports shows. So may, maybe there's maybe there's yeah, a young may, me out maybe there. Maybe there's a niche. Maybe there's a niche out there where uh, some people wanting to ignore the NCAA tournament tonight. Uh, look, uh, if UAB's losing by 20, you can ignore <laughs> it. If UAB's up by 20, please watch. <laughs> uh, so that will do it for Jelly, the... Pro- Jelly Walker believers, stand up. We are indeed. That will do it for the show today and for the show this week. Brant, we appreciate you being here as always. Thank you for having me. Uh, And uh, like I said, that will do it. A lot of Auburn sports to look forward to this weekend as well with Auburn softball. Three-game series starting tomorrow against South Carolina. And again, the conclusion of Auburn and Ole Miss in their three-game baseball series today and tomorrow. And then Sunday, another Auburn men's basketball NCAA tournament game against Miami. Time to be determined probably will come out tonight. We thank As always, all those who tuned in and called in for Brant Daughtry, I'm Ryan LaVoy. Enjoy the weekend. We will talk to you next week.